Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. to Wrestling Omakase. It is episode number 210, and this week I am pleased to be joined by a returning guest, but making his 2021 debut, has to get that uh, Omakase ballot for 2021, is Mr. Kevin Brown from the Bad Wrestling Podcast. I am a loyal voter. I think I voted in every one of them. (laughs) I think you have, actually. (laughs) I feel, and I think every single one, I end up getting a message from you after, like, asking if I'm kidding on one of my picks. (laughs) This time you got you guys. I think got. I'm gonna look this up to make sure. I think you guys got. Uh, what the hell is the name of that stupid fucking team in AEW? Uh, <laughs> Which one did we go for? I don't know the one with Luther. I don't. I don't remember what it was. You got it. You got <laughs> the, the cast project with Luther yeah, and Serpentico. <laughs> yeah, you got them in the top ten. I think. Let me just confirm this because I want to make sure. The best tag team we have here. God, this is far up. Yes, the Chaos Project with eight points and one first place vote finished in ninth place. Just ahead of a team we're going to be talking about today, the Bakaretsu Sisters, who finished in tenth place. With well, I think points. I actually voted above the. Uh, I'm pretty sure I voted like number two was them, and then number three was Luther. So the Luther Hive really came through. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what. Are you sure? Because someone gave the Bakaretsu Sisters a first place vote. Are you sure that wasn't you? That might have just. Been <laughs> I think it might have been you. <laughs> But yes, uh, yeah, we loved we loved the sisters. <laughs> yeah, so they got tenth place. Chaos Project got ninth place. There's always because these these categories, especially where like 
because uh, the dangerous techers, Taiji and Zach had 85 points, and then Omega and Page at 69, and the Young Bucks had 51. So basically, the entire voting pool was voting for those three teams. So like any random shit could have like snuck into the if like two people voted for it would get into the top ten. Thankfully, I I definitely only <laughs> I don't know who I would have given a sincere tag team vote to. So I must have like I must have just voted three stupid people. <laughs> it was, it's a really it was a really hard category last year to be fair yeah like, like, actually, everything kind of sucked yes. last year <laughs> i was gonna say all the categories were pretty hard but that one was especially hard so i don't know what the fu- like i started thinking about how so we do mid-year awards every year too like a mid-year award episode and that's coming up like less than two months i'm like god i don't know what the fuck i'm gonna vote for Rest yeah i don't eat. i think <laughs> it's been a bit better than last year but i haven't been watching Ooh. any of it I don't know. It's been. I need to tip for no more BS, Paul White. <laughs> I mean, I don't watch AEW. Uh, but you been... still vote for no more BS, Paul White. I've been taking like a New Japan break. I guess as you could tell by the subjects of the show, because I just I don't know. There's something after fucking Sakura Gen. People are gonna think I'm boycotting them because Osprey won the title or something. I'm not. I sincerely promise I'm not doing that. We're gonna go back to cover new japan later in the month uh with these dotaku shows i just cannot fucking take these road to corkins anymore i cannot watch them There's what are no... they even doing i don't think i've seen <laughs> one of those in like two or three years what are even on those now nothing i mean they're finally going to do one with a uh, a six-man title match tomorrow i think but before that it's basically like just tag match after tag match after tag match in front of 300 people all clapping no sharing. Like, the only reason why those Corgans were watchable pre-COVID was because at least, like, they were the hottest crowds in wrestling, you know? Like, these crowds would go fucking crazy for, you know, virtually anything. So you could talk yourself into sitting through some of these Corgan shows because, you know, the cra- crowd goes a long way in wrestling. Now it's just 300 people sitting there clapping. I mean, the these shows have gotten completely unwatchable. I just can't. I mean, they can't be as hot as TJPW. No, they're not. <laughs> well, pre-COVID, they were pretty fucking hot. But not now, right now, though. Not right now. They're not very different hot. world. Yeah, and the way the way Japan is saying about their uh, vaccine rollout, I would not expect, uh, you know, non clapless cra- or non clapping crowds to uh, return anytime soon. So, you know, they they're saying like maybe by spring of twenty twenty two they'll be done with all adults. So, I don't know. It doesn't doesn't look good for that. It is really isn't it really weird to be an American and be like, yeah, we're leading the way on this thing. <laughs> it's on this vaccine. It's like so fucking strange. I, I was mean, talking it about makes it. sense. We took all of them. I well, I know. I mean, yeah. it's, it's also it's like also because we're awful. But like, even so, though, even taking all of them, I did not think we were going to get to like half half of adults in the country have one shot so far. I like, was. If you like, asked- I feel like I was more pessimistic about how people would like people refusing it, but it yeah. seems like most of those people kind of shut up. Yeah, I don't know. I just I, between I think between people refusing it and just the general idea that we can't do anything, you know, the government can't do anything correctly in this country. That's true. I, I just kind of thought we'd be at like twenty percent of adults, but right now and by mid-April, not fifty. So I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, this is not exactly this is not Pod Saves America. I'm not going to get out here and talk about how great Joe Biden is, but like if if Donald Trump had won. Like this is the this is like one area where I can genuinely say I think there'd be like a big difference. Like we'd be at like twenty five percent right now, probably. 
have but... no idea. You have no idea what he would have done. <laughs> I <laughs> think he might he might have gone the angle of trying to like put his name on it and push it really hard though. That's true. That, but then, but then all the, he's the, definitely vain enough for that. But then the resistance types would say like they're not going to take it because remember they were already saying that like last like October. Oh yeah, like like Kamala Harris was out there saying I'm not like we're, can't take a Trump rushed vaccine. Like it would have been a it would have been a big controversial thing. So yeah, I just don't. They, I, there's no way. There's like no way we'd be above thirty percent right now. So yeah, something just, stupid would have happened. Yeah, just or they, they would have their idea to like distribute them would have been like to like fly giant planes over the states and like just fucking drop them in these big crates that have like a giant picture of a shot on them or something. I don't know, but like it would have been really stupid. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's vaccine talk, I guess. But yeah, America's doing good with them. Uh, Japan is not doing good with them, and you know, I don't know. I'm I'm not really sure when we're going to get the non-clap crowds back and then you know i mean i've i've gotten used to them about as much as i can at this point but yeah i can't sit through the new japan corkins anymore uh so we've been doing a, and plus there's lots of other stuff going on i mean we watched some no ones in tokyo joshi uh you know as we're going to talk about in the show there's the all japan champion carnival which has been pretty good so far and not like fucking blow your doors off or anything but compared to the 2020 champion carnival it's been like I don't know. It's like the greatest shit of all time. It's like the 2020 champion carnival. I don't know if you watched any of it. It was fucking horrible. And, you know, this year's has been pretty good. So big, big difference in quality. I have not seen any of that. I saw very little of last year. So I know it was very bad. Yeah. Last year's was horrible. And this year's has been good. So uh, I guess I'll just do the Patreon plug right now while we're talking about it. Uh, Patreon.com slash wrestling omakase. We're covering all the Champion Carnival nights on there daily. $5 a month gets you all the access. Uh, just put up nights four and five on Saturday and Sunday. So, you know, you want to hear all the coverage of all our remaining Champion Carnival shows. Uh, you know, nights one and two are up there, too. Uh, night three was on last week's Free Omakase. But going forward, all the Carnival stuff will be only on the Patreon. Again, only $5. Plus, you get everything else that will be exclusive, including next week's Patreon-exclusive five matches episode. So that will be only on the Patreon feed. Uh, as you may have noticed, as a listener, we typically skip a week now on the free feed. This is partially to uh, convince you to sign up if you want to hear a show every week still. Partially just to maintain my own sanity. So I'm only doing five full episodes a month instead of four. Uh, but yes, it's patreon.com slash wrestling on Five bucks, you get all the Champion Carnival coverage. Next week's uh, Patreon exclusive five matches episode Everything else we've done on the Patreon for almost, approaching a year now. Can't believe I've been doing this shit for a year already. I remember uh, I was probably on it like about yeah, probably about last like March, and you, before, you were before. saying you were surprised how many people were actually paying. I think that was before the Patreon, wasn't it? I think I, I no, it was right the- after, or it might have been like when you were about to launch it. And then yeah, I think after, I launched. So. I think I launched it in June. I'm glad you've got to the point where it's worth doing daily shows. <laughs> well, these are like these are like once you know one or two a week basically. It was one like the New Japan Cup, even though there are only like one or two matches for each show. Like that was like every other fucking day, and that was driving me insane. So that's probably also part of why. I needed like a two or three week break from New Japan because I was doing those fucking New Japan Cup shows every other day. And like that was the first time this really started feeling like a like a job job, you know. So 
at least at this point, I'm giving the New Japan a little bit of a breather. To be fair, nobody else seems to be watching New Japan right now either, though. Are so. you saying you're not a Shinnihon freak? I guess not. Damn. But, like, do you go to the Super Jcast Discord? Like, they're making shit up in there about what happened on today's show because no one is actually indicating they watched the show or talking about it. So uh, the interest level is not high right now, I guess we can say. But, I mean, to a degree, right, people always shit on things, like, make things more exaggerated when it's, like, cool to shit on them. But, like, when people start talking about, like, oh, look at how spread out the this wrestling Duntaku tour is and, you know, this tour is bad. I'm like, do you understand this tour fucking sucks every year? Yeah, like, I feel like people every year with them always forget that their house show tours, like, are not, are bad. Yeah, this tour fucking sucks. This industry, like, up next, people are going to be saying, oh, I can't believe the Destruction Tour looks so... T-. I'm like, the Destruction Tour sucks every year. The Dantaku Tour sucks every year. Like, I don't know... Yeah, the only people who are watching that are, like, the realist heads. That's not... If you're just, like, a normal... <laughs> if you're, like, a normal fan who likes the bigger stuff, you are never watching that. Yeah, but I don't know. So I just feel, I feel like people do kind of you know, over-exaggerate things. But people are also very angry that Osprey won the title, so I get it. It's uh, all. It's like it's like people who get really mad when the World Tag League stinks. <laughs> like, much much weirder and more specific. He was good. They were, it was good last year, though. Weirdly. It's been Did they good. get any funny guests in in the middle of COVID? No, they didn't get any funny guests in. But, like, I don't know, Taichi and Zach were really good in it, so... There's some other teams that were good. There's going to be a working with if they're actually working with AEW, they need to get Billy Gunn's two sons in <laughs> one year. Like there are a lot of like really funny uh, AEW World Tag League possibilities. You could do the Chaos Project, of course. You can oh, you can get Luther back into the Tokyo Dome. You get Luther back in the Tokyo Dome. Uh, I don't know what else is going. On. I don't, actually don't. I haven't watched AEW since the pay per view. So I'm trying to think. You can get the acclaimed. Their current the rapper acclaimed. gimmick. The current rapper gimmick, it's true. Uh, I don't think they really want Bear Country. <laughs> Probably not. There's some gimmicks where, like, people, um, you know, people say, like, uh, oh, you know, this would really work in New Japan. The, the funniest one to me was when, like, someone was like, Orange Cassie would never work in New Japan. Like, Orange Cassie would be incredibly over in New Japan. If they put him in there at Toriano, the fans would be going nuts for him in, like, five minutes. There's probably, like, some specific comedy guys that they wouldn't get. But for the most part, every U.S. guy that goes over there, they seem to get pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, Orange Cassidy would be super popular in Cork, and I don't know what so many people talk about sometimes. They loved the Whoop Whoop guy over there. But <laughs> I, think, I think they would figure Orange Cassidy out. I don't think, I don't think it's that hard for him. Yeah. But and they loved the whoop whoop man. They really loved him to the point where I I sort of understood. Like I expected New Japan to try to bring him back. I guess what I didn't expect was I don't I don't know. I'm throwing out name here, so no one no one ex, no one took the, take this as like a uh, a source here, like David Friendly or somebody to go to the office and be like, hey, this is bad and don't do it. Because apparently that's what happened. Like somebody, a bunch of the guy, the gaijin went over there and were like, yeah, please don't do this. This is really bad. And, I'm. Uh, I'm surprised, like, they even – did they get it filmed or did they just float it out there and see what the reaction They did. They did film the strong thing, apparently. So the squirrel cut exists somewhere. The squirrel cut exists somewhere, yeah. So Who is the person you could annoy the most into getting them to release the squirrel cut? <laughs> I think you'd have to go for – because it's strong. You, you'd probably have to go for Rocky, right? Like you'd have to get Rocky or Mount to do it. I feel like if you got, like – 
I don't think anyone would want to publicly associate their brand with Skrull, though, which you would have no choice but to do. Yeah. That would probably be the problem. Maybe in like two or three years you can get someone to put it out when he's like hopefully long gone. Yeah, the scroll cut. But yeah, I mean, the the Mario scroll thing, then then, you know, the Osprey fucking angle, B Priestley, and then winning the title all happening within like three weeks or something. Uh, not the best run of uh, Western publicity there for the old Shinny. No. <laughs> not, not I'm really surprised none of like no one who like would have known what was going to happen from that told them before they actually did it. Yeah. I feel like they should probably reevaluate how much they trust some of these people. Yeah. But I mean, it's nice that they made the right decision in the end after an immense public pressure campaign and apparently multiple wrestlers in Japan telling them not to do it. But, you know, still uh, concerning it got that far. Anyway, I don't know how we end up on New Japan on a show where I said we weren't going to talk about New Japan. So let's get into these topics. First of all, we, I haven't really run down the topics yet. The main event, the true main event, the one we're holding all the way to the end, is Talking Titan. Yeah, we're here to talk some Titan. That stays till the end. Attack on Titan, the manga has concluded. So we are, we are going to talk spoilers. So first of all, if you're still watching the series, uh, you know, the anime on TV, you don't want to be spoiled. That's the other reason why I'm putting it all the way at the end. So you, you, know, you got plenty of warning. You can still listen to all the wrestling shit. If you want to hear Attack on Titan talk, that comes at the very end. Uh, if you just don't care about it at all, you should still listen because it's insane and, and probably hilarious. But uh, you can yeah, also but, just uh, do not end. listen if you uh, care about spoilers because I will not hold. Nothing is going to be held back. Yeah, we're just going to go over the ending. But yeah, we've. So people don't know who might be more recent listeners. We've done. A few of these, like Attack on Titan segments, uh, when whenever Kevin every is time on. they like finish, we always we always like worm me on for shows here when like whenever an arc finishes, yeah, so we can go into the next one and we got the big one this time, the big one, but we got to go over the whole thing this time too. So that'll be like this will be like the Attack on Titan retrospective. So that'll be the the end, the conclusion here of the show. So that's the main event. Uh, we also have Tokyo Joshi still incomplete. Uh, which was their big cork and show from this past Saturday, right? Yeah, April 17th. Yeah, it was Saturday. It was Friday night, my time, but Saturday yeah. there, obviously. And we also have Noah, sort of. We have the Neo Breeze cork from Sunday, April 18th. Now, unfortunately, due to a series of uh, unfortunate events, we only watched the top three matches. Uh, I guess we might as well get into that now since I was going to start with Noah anyway. Um, basically, the Abima normally puts these shows up for anyone to watch at any time, you know, um, worldwide. And for whatever reason, this time they didn't. It had something to do with it being a free show in Japan. So I don't know. For some reason, that meant it was geo-blocked for the rest of the world, like most of Bima content is. So that was annoying. Um, this Corkin show, which was uh, Sunday, April 18th, it will be on uh, DDT Universe, or Wrestle Universe, as it's now known, this Saturday, April 24th. But that obviously doesn't do anything for us right now. Uh, now the real hero, uh, friend of the show, the real hero, had did post up the top He's three still matches cooking. on Twitter. He is still cooking. He posted the top three matches on Twitter, uh, so we were able to watch those. Apparently, the full show does exist on Billy Billy, but like, I don't know. You yeah, found I found I got it from someone about a half an hour before. Yeah, so you found it so too late, basically, for me to watch it. And it, part of it also just my schedule this weekend was kind of crazy because, you know, two Champion Carnival shows due for the Patreon. I was traveling to New Jersey uh, 
to see my dad and go to a round one there because the one by me is still closed the one in new york i don't why the fuck can you can you please explain to me why the fuck arcades are closed in new york but casinos aren't like what the fuck is the difference yeah i don't know <laughs> like what like functionally they are these I don't, i'm not saying there's someone who hates casinos i love casinos actually but like functionally what the fuck is the difference between a casino and an arcade it's an indoor building where people are gathering yeah i don't get why they, it seems like there's anything still closed feels so arbitrary seeing what is open yeah like everything is open so like why the fuck arcade? You like there's you can go to movie theaters and shit now so like they they why are arcades the one thing we're like well that's no good I'm like I went to the one in New Jersey I mean everybody had their fucking masks on and it's no less it seemed no less fucking safe to me than any, all this other shit that's open but I don't know yeah that that must just be in like some weird old bylaw or something yeah they're like arcades are classified <laughs> or something but I didn't even know there was anything that still wasn't up. Yeah, there's still this is like the one state because if you look on the round one website, like New York is like the only state where they haven't been able to to reopen their fucking locations. So it's just annoying. But we went all the way to the new one in Deptford, New Jersey. So if anyone wants a round one uh, Deptford, New Jersey arcade review, it was the worst round one I've ever been to. So in America, yeah, fucking sucks because like they, I don't know, it's like a much smaller space than the other ones I've been to, and. The, they only had one sound voltex machine and the buttons were really sticky. Like some kid fucking spilled shit on it and they didn't fix it because the thing's only been open since October. So like, I don't know. You think the machine would be in good condition, but apparently they not. They must have bought used machines. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. They could and buy po- well-used machines. But like, yeah, I mean, it was a, uh, it wasn't great. And they didn't have the Japanese karaoke, which sucks too, but whatever. Uh, so, you know, definitely the bottom tier. There's a new bottom tier of uh, round ones. Before this, the one in Long Island. Where in Jersey like was this one? Deptford. So it's like basically like 25 minutes from Atlantic City or in Philly. Oh, jeez. Like, yeah, it's really south. I don't know why the fuck they put it all the way down there. I thought this they, would be in like Edgewater or something. Yeah. they are. Well, they already have one in, uh, in Exton, which is like right over the border in Pennsylvania yeah. by Philly. So it's like, why the fuck they put one in Deptford? I don't know. Like, put it in mid or north Jersey, I guess. But they were trying to put one in Freehold, which would have been a little more to the north. Like, um, the still- Long Island one is Broadway Mall, right? Broadway Mall, yeah. Yeah, and that, I'm I've never been in there, but I've been in the mall, and I, just looking at it, it looked pretty shitty. Yeah, the, de- the I was gonna say the Broadway Mall one was my previous bottom tier one, but at least they have two sound voltex machines, and they're both pretty good. Uh, but other than that, yeah, it is bottom tier. The best one I ever went to was the one in Dallas. And the best one I ever went to in America was the one in Dallas. I don't know why, but the Dallas one was just like, they, they have a huge like space and just so much shit in there. So that was my favorite one. That was like the only one I've been to that really feels sort of close to being like one in, in like being in one in Japan. And then the, the Chicago one was pretty cool too. And I think that might be all the ones I went to, right? Unless I'm missing. Oh, and the and the Exton one in Pennsylvania is okay, but so there's your official round one rankings. But uh, yeah, the the point of all this was uh, I went to I was you know kind of busy this past weekend, so uh, you know I was planning to try to watch Noah and Tokyo Joshi today, and then Abima did not want to uh, cooperate. So anyway, we ended up watching the top three matches. So let's get into them here. Uh, the main event was Masakitamiya and Katsuhiko Nakajima defeating Keiji Muto and Naomichi Marafuji. 
Kinemiya submitting a Muto in 1851 with the prison lock. Uh, where are you on Muto, Kevin? Are you a Muto head? Do you not care? Are you neutral? I, I agree with Muto. I like Muto. Yeah. Some people really dislike Muto as champion, so... This this especially centrated. He's so old now that all of his selling looks like genuine pain. Oh yeah, and it's very good. Yeah, the the, the stuff Mudo does well. He does really well. Like he he looks like he is getting destroyed in there when he's in there with these. Uh, you know, like like Masakinamiya looks like he could break this man in half, and he looks like he's doing it for a lot of the match, which is like, you know, that's cool. I think people. People are going to get very mad when Mudo just wins again because he's obviously going to, but like he's going to make this guy look very good. Yeah, and I guess the other side of it, like, is you know, people say Muto beating these guys is like unrealistic or looks stupid or whatever. But like, this is I, just how this stuff works. Yeah, I sort of agree that it can it can look pretty stupid. I think he does a good job keeping his offense to um, like a lot of holds and stuff where like. It doesn't. He doesn't go in there and like fucking kill these people. Like sometimes when I listen to people talk about Muto in this run, they make it sound like he's dominating these matches. And usually he's like putting people in headlocks and like you know doing dragon screws and you know obviously hits a shining wizard. But it's never like he's going in there and just like I don't know. People act like he's Brock Lesnar. He's not. He's not killing people. Yeah. He, no. He doesn't really. He's not like eating guys alive. Yeah. He kind of. I definitely his... don't get that. He's not. He wins all the time, yeah, but he doesn't. He doesn't kill the guys he's in there with. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. So the, the unrealistic thing, I get it, but also I think it's kind of overstated because he's not in there, you know, dominating these matches. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm. I consider myself a little more Muto neutral, maybe leaning towards pro Muto. I guess that the the other problem with this Muto argument to me is like the anti-Muto people make it sound like Noah has so many other great options, which I don't know if they do. I mean, clearly just continuing the go reign, which everyone agrees was awesome, uh, was not an option because he, he needed fucking surgery. So, you know, they could have gone back to Kaito again, I guess. But like, you know, it's not like, like they, Kaito Kimi is like, what, 23? I mean, he has plenty of fucking time. We have plenty of time to go back to Kaito Kimiya. You know, he's already had a big run. I mean, look. You can't, burn, you can't burn people out on him too early. Yeah. I mean, part like, look at fucking Okada. I mean, Okada's like, what, 30? And people already like, I will uh, staple my eyelids shut if that man gets another long world title reign. And it's like, great. Well, what do you do with the guy for the rest of his career at this point? He's 33. I'm sorry. Uh, they also yeah. look like they, like, killed Okada. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, with, like, uh, with, with Kiyomiya, you know, it's fine to be patient. You don't have to... The guy doesn't have to be champion, you know, uh, immediately again. So you don't want to burn people out on him because, like, the next guy doesn't seem to be in the pipeline yet. Yeah. Like the so, I, I don't know who you would think it would be, but the like the very obvious next of him. Just, maybe what, what's his name? Can you? Okay, maybe another Okada actually. Can you? Yeah. But I don't know. It's really early for that anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean. You know, this I, I that that's why the like the Mudo thing to me is a little like I said, a little overblown. And I don't think it's gonna be like a super long reign anyway. I think he'll lose his belt by I'll uh, start but, complaining about it if they don't do Mudo versus Akiyama as the main event for like the big dumb thing they're doing. It's the Saitama thing? They're not well that's not gonna be the main event. No, what's it gonna be? It's uh 
Well, we, I don't. I don't know if they said them in a bit yet, but Akiyama's wrestling Hiroshima for the. Oh, that's the, disappointing. When are they going to do the? They have to do like the non-title, but both of them versus before they make them drop it. Yeah, I. I, 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 I figured that would be like the whole point of them doing it. That was my thought too, but um, it did not happen. So because apparently, right, at some now point... I was going. I was going <laughs> to talk about how sick Nosawa is, but if he's not delivering, then I I may have to walk some of that back. Because they they said apparently I, I missed this, but like a month ago they did say that the KOD Open Weight and the GHC titles would be defended at that Saitama show. So at that point, it became obvious they weren't going to do those you know, those two, that match. That's I mean, I get, it could just be a problem where like neither one of them wants the job to the other, but I don't know. Yeah, that could be too. But you mean, you can always get around that by doing a tag. So I and don't know. I, I figured they were going to do it. I figured that was like the whole point of doing it. Maybe they will, maybe they will do it by, you know, cause this thing that the Saitama show is in June. I mean, you can always do another big show. I mean, they usually, they do ultimate party in November. That would be kind of a long, uh rain especially for muto but yeah yeah that might that might be a little too long of a run yeah i, I love we'll muto see. but uh i think people will you can't burn that one out yeah um as far as this match i thought it was good um you know we had muto and kidamiya starting out with like a lot of like you know mat wrestling and that's you know muto was controlling it on the mat for a while um Nakajima and Marafuji tagged in, and hit, like Mar- Nakajima was hitting these really hard leg kicks, like those leg kicks he hit for it looks like he's trying to break the guy's leg. Um, and then he tagged back out to Kitamiya pretty quickly after that. And then the only problem with having Nakajima and Marafuji in the same match is when Marafuji came back with some of his own kicks and like a super kick, it looked kind of ridiculous after the Nakajima kicks. It's just like, yeah, your kicks don't really compare, buddy. You probably should have just like not bothered. Um, but then Muto at one point gets Kitamiya in his STF. That was just before the 10 minute call. Kitamiya was able to make it to the ropes to break. And this crowd, all crowds seem to love Nakajima during the, in this role, but this crowd fucking loved that double foot choke routine. Like they were clapping louder for that whole sequence as he like kept repeatedly choking Marafuji than they did for the entire rest of the match. So, I mean, I guess it's a, a very popular spot. Uh, Muto at that point was, or Marafuji, I should say, was exchanging uh, chops with Nakajima later. That was the one place where he could match Nakajima in stiffness because he does throw a really hard chop. So that was a great exchange. And Muto came back with a very or kind of sloppy step up knee in the corner. Uh, but then Nakajima hit a basement dropkick on Muto. And that's what you were talking about earlier, kind of, where like, Everything look, looks like it's going to kill him. When anybody hits any kind of thing to the knee on Muto, everybody like grabs their fucking chest like they're about to watch this man be paralyzed. So, you know, it really does like, it is like a gasp kind of moment. He He's very good at playing to this shit. Yeah, like he he leans into it. So, um, then Nakajima tags back into Kitamiya. He hits a Samoan drop and a Senton for a two count. Uh, Muto, though, blocks a Kitabia Lariat. Kitabia, in turn, blocks a Shining Wizard. Muto said, like, motherfucker on the first Shining Wizard. But then, when he goes for it again, he yells motherfucker this time. That was really, like, kind of funny. Uh, but Kitabia does the pop-up no-sell and then drops him with a Saito suplex. And then he just, like, really starts targeting Muto's knee after that. Uh, he does another Saito suplex. And then he gets Muto to tap out to his prison lock after, like, 
grabbing him by the ears and headbutting him while they're in the hold. The headbutt busted them both open. Hell of a finish. Like, covered Mudo in blood afterwards, especially. Uh, just a really good visual. And definitely helps Kitamiya look like a more serious challenger uh, heading into Nagoya later this month. So, good match. I would say, you know, basically on the level with the previous two, obviously some of the Mudo stuff is always going to look slow. But I don't think he really botched anything either other than maybe that knee, you could argue. Uh, and Nakajima brought, helped bring a little dose of excitement when needed. So I went three and a half stars. Good match. Uh, but yeah, you know, just a you know, your, 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 standard hype, your standard hype tag, but a little better quality than you might often see from that type of match. I thought that, that would have been like a very good TV main event before the pay-per-view. Yeah. But yeah, the, any, any the other bleeding at the that? end, that's like a great way to send it off. Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of thing you put, that's going to be great in a video package. So, uh, any other final thoughts on this? No, yeah, I thought this was pretty good. I mean, more, I, I was, I'm definitely going to watch all the Mudo shit, but I'm definitely more excited for this now. The semi-main event was for the GHC Junior Heavyweight title. Uh, Juicy Kotoge defeats Neo in 2301 with the kill switch. Uh, he's the 45th champion. He gets his first defense here. Kotoge is a weird guy, right? Like he's had a weird career. I mean, I know you've been watching this shit like through thick and thin. <laughs> I know you're one of like the few pe- other people who's actually sat through like his whole career at this point. Yeah. Well, I don't know anything about what he was doing in Osaka Pro, but it's just it's so weird that he so he comes from Osaka Pro. He's this junior heavyweight tag guy with with Harada, right? And that's pretty much what I think most people know him for. He has all these really probably like all the major highlights of the you know the bushi road owning noah period i mean those junior tag title matches were like on some of those shows the only highlight yeah he was definitely he was probably the best in-ring guy of that whole time yeah and like you know he and harada really carried the company a lot of ways then of course you know bushi road gets bought out um and, you know, Noah goes in a different direction. Is that when it goes into Noah the Reborn? Yes, Noah the Reborn. And Kotoge, when they announced Kotoge was graduating to heavyweight, I remember being like, am I thinking of the right guy? Because he is, like, so fucking skinny. Like, I was expecting, when they announced that, I thought, like, New Japan, like, a bunch of the guys were, like, just going to jump for New Japan. And yeah, they, they desperately <laughs> needed to fill the roster. Because, like, and, and that didn't really happen. I mean, like, two guys. Oh, yeah, nobody, like, important. <laughs> the, all Suzuki Goon, including Much Kanemaru. respect to Kanemaru, but yeah. he's important. Hard, <laughs> but he wasn't, like, a guy they were, like, building anything on. Yeah. Like, they lost none of the heavyweight stars, pretty much. And, like, it, you know, they kept Goshi Ozaki, who, you know, who had just come over. But, yeah, I mean, like... <laughs> when they announced Kodogi's moving up, I was like, am I thinking the right guy? Because he is so fucking skinny. He's not like, he's not short, short, but he's not like, he's not like Zack Sabre Jr. Who's like so tall, despite the fact that he's so skinny. You can kind of understand why, you know, they made him a heavyweight. Kotoge is like, I don't know. He's like 5'9 or 5'10 or something. Very skinny. And like, when I heard he's moving up to heavyweight, I was like, What? It's just really bizarre, really, really bizarre move. And then they decided to make his heavyweight career all about his cape. Which oh, yeah. one of the- That's an all-time run. 
<laughs> what the fuck was like he do you remember you ever seen that picture with Kotoge wearing the cape to like some award banquet or something and some other wrestler is looking at him like what the fuck is wrong with you just such a great picture and okay the, the cape run is great and like he's a member of like some kind of like no one i don't remember what they were called i don't remember what they was called it was like a new blood in noah i know they had a name but i really don't remember what the name was I'm guessing you don't either because you're not. No, Chinese. I do not remember. That. Yeah, it was like a Noah New Blood, basically. And you know, I remember that Goshi Ozaki was in it, even though he was probably already like 36. Katoge was in it, um, and you know, a bu- so a bunch of guys like that were in it. I just remember thinking like they were like the biggest like dorks of all time. Like they could not have made this Noah New Blood look stupider if they tried. And you know, Katoge, there was Katoge with his fucking cape. I uh, think he looked very cool. <laughs> I have respect for the cape. And then, and then, one day it's just like, oh yeah, he's a junior again. I was like, what? So they graduated him, and then they ungraduated. It was the right decision, but it was sad. And then suddenly he's like challenging for some British title from some like some British company I've never even heard of. I think they weren't they the ones who like fifteen people at Mania. Is that them? Um, which one? Is this, I, this is IPW UK. IPW UK, right? right? Yeah, yeah, the ones. So, did you did you go to the startup show or no? Um, so, you? my car got totaled that day, and I never made it there. Oh, there you go. I'm very sorry to hear about your car. That sucks. Uh, so, I was at the startup show as the people were leaving this IPW UK show, and like seriously, like ten people walked out. Like ten people left the building. I'm really not exaggerating. Ten fucking people. Some of them could have been like staff members for all I know. Or wrestlers. I don't know what the fuck IPWK wrestlers look like. But yeah, 10 people walked out the front door. I was just like, okay. For, like, I really should like stop one of them and just ask for an interview. Like, excuse me. How did you get here? <laughs> like, how did you get... Why did you choose... Like, how have you, how have you heard of IPWK? Why did you choose to go to this? Why... Like, wh- who are you? Like, I just really want to meet the, the American IPWK fan. Or... Are you a fan who came all the way over from England to go to WrestleMania weekend? Yeah, I was going to say, because they, the British always make their way here for that. Yeah. And they show gotta, up very strong. So it was probably support. just like their people. Yeah, I don't know. It was very, very bizarre. But uh, but yeah, it was a very... Uh, so, so yeah, IPWK title. <laughs> he was, I think he either challenged for that or he won it or something. Uh, and yeah, and then he never reunites for Harada. He forms the full throttle unit with a uh, God. I guess it was like Yohei, or Yohei was the one who kicked them out for it. So it was the, who were the other two? It was Seki Yoshioka and one other guy who I'm not thinking of. Oh, Hajime Ohara, one of the guys he feuded with for his entire junior tag title run. There was like Kano and Ohara against uh, Harada and Kotoge. and I don't. If I remember reading like the translations, they never really mentioned it. It was like. You'd think he'd be like, yeah, this is this guy that, you know, we used to, like, beat each other up all the time, and now we're friends, and they never really explained it. And then, um, like, a month and a half later, the two of them kick him out of the unit uh, for being too nice to Harada, and Yohei takes his place, and he's back with Harada. So it's, like, one of the longest trainers, and all this happened, by the way, in, like, like three or four years, I think. <laughs> and it all, it all ended up with him back with uh, Daisuke Harada, so... The the one thing about Noah constantly jumping owners is it always feels like it's doing like weird slight resets to the continuity. Yeah, 
So like it, always, I, it always just feels like it's a slightly different promotion each time it kind of changes. But at the end of the day, he came back together with Harada. So there's something, uh, it's kind of romantic, I guess. I don't, I don't know. But yeah, so Kotori. They, and- they need to bring the cape back. They have to, but like now doing like doing like a cape comedy match with Kendo Kashin. <laughs> but yes, now he is the junior champion. He uh, he beat Sekiyoshi Yoka for it um, on the Budokan show, and this was his first defense. And I will be honest, I did not know what to expect from this match because it's uh, capeless Kotoge against the former Hiroki, uh, who like you what's know, he more famously known as. Hiroki, it was like it, it's written as high sixty nine. Yes, Hiroki, yeah. So like, um, who's like a basically just like a Kai and Tai Dojo dude? I don't know. Not very good. Very indie. And I didn't know what to expect from this. And I will say, it was very dull to start. Like they exchanged like super exciting chin locks and stuff. They basically took it from the uh, the New Japan School of doing a very boring ten, first ten minutes. Um, I had very little notes to take because it was just so slow and boring. Um, you know, they hit each other sometimes pretty hard, but uh, this was coming right after the match we're going to talk about next when they hit each other much harder. So it was just kind of, it, it, even then it, it kind of looked like it couldn't uh, keep up really. But, you know, it was just all so slow, which like when I'm watching a junior title match, especially, I, you know, I'm expecting some action guys. It's like, come on, like speed this up a little bit. It and doesn't have to be high flying, but there, there should be something, and they didn't be do fast. very much here. Yeah, but Kotoge finally does a decent tope con hilo to Neo on the floor just before the ten minute call, and the match really picks up from there. Like, there's a lot faster action, which is ultimately what I want to see out of a junior title match. After all, uh, you know, Kotoge hits a top rope rana. Neo comes back with this pretty cool sunset flip powerbomb with the second rope. And, you know, pretty much everything after the 10-minute call, lots of exciting action, really back and forth, fast stuff. And Kotoge ends up beating Neo uh, with the kill switch for the win. So, yeah, started out rough, but picked up after the first 10 minutes. I thought it was good. The, the rest of the match was good enough to go three and a half. So a good match. Uh, but you may literally be better off just fast-forwarding the match 10 minutes because there is no reason to watch the first 10 minutes of this match. But uh, after that, it's good. Yeah, I have not. Yeah, this was not a hugely eventful one. Yeah. This was fine. Yeah. That feels like a cop-out answer. I feel like I just want to talk about the... Hey, whenever I see him, I just want I just want to like think back to the cape. <laughs> the cape. Uh, we all miss it. Post so. about Katoge's cape once again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the rest of the match was good. You know, it was I mean, the rest of the match was actually great, which is why I think it was good overall. But like, yeah, the first ten minutes was pretty boring. You know, nothing like horrible or anything, but just pretty boring. No, they they were just kind of going. Yeah. Um, and there was no challenger came out afterwards, as far as I could tell. I looked, uh, I looked on Hisame's uh, blog, which is you know pretty much your go to Noah resource. I should always like tell people this stuff because I always forget how few pe- how many people come in really late and stuff, you know, and don't really know. So I'm going to say... They haven't been following years of Noah lore. Yeah, so, like, if you're looking for Noah uh, coverage, it's, like, twitter.com... I don't know why I'm saying that part. (laughs) At H-I-5-A-M-E. So, Hisami with a 5 instead of an S. Like, she is your go-to person for Noah coverage. I mean, she does 
uh, a blog with translations. She just works way too hard for someone who is not being paid by the pro wrestling network. She's a real throwback, right? Because like, so you know, someone when, who just does this. Yeah. Cause like when I first got into it, this was everybody like, you know, the, like the fucking, you know, early to mid aughts. It was like just all these people who were following all this stuff as a passion project and posting all this, all this shit. So the rest of us could, you know, uh, watch and, uh, like try and enjoy it. it. Yeah. So like it was totally that that's how everybody was now, of course, you know, you have New Japan's entire English operation. Uh, you have DDT Tokyo Joshi English Update. Uh, Tokyo Joshi gets like multiple English commentary shows a month. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff for like I really if I stop and think about think about it, I'm like, wow, these uh these English speaking fans have it really really good now. But I remember that that was like a conversation in the in the voice wrestling Discord a few weeks ago, I think, because I was like, there reading some other people say, you know, they find all Japan really hard to follow because it's, uh, or hard to get into because they don't have any English, uh, commentary or like translations. And I remember being like, this is so far from my experience. <laughs> it was like, you know, trying to figure out what Japanese wrestling was, uh, was, was actually happening in Japanese wrestling with like, even like early five machines. or six years ago, you yeah. like, could like never find easy to read schedules for this shit yeah it was like it was basically like early machine translations was basically what i was using and like you know um i, I don't know it's just so far it got better so like so quick too yeah like it, it really feels like this whole movement to get all of this shit in english is like three years old yeah so and now it's know. just you now like every single promotion is easy to follow yeah, now people are like, well, if they won't give me subtitled promos, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bother. I'm just like, okay. You should try yeah. getting into this in two thousand two, that's all I can tell you. Buying uh, DVDs. <laughs> well I was I, I had a I've told the story a million times. I had like a, a Japanese immigrant rental store near my house, like which I would just go in there and like rent them all for like a dollar. So it was pretty great. I did not have to like wait for them to come online. Because like these rental stores I guess a lot of Japanese immigrants in uh, New Jersey were watching Japanese wrestling because they were all getting them. Like every fucking show they were getting them in. So I was like, okay. Because they basically just recorded off TV, right? That was basically what they were doing. So anything that they aired on like Samurai TV or, you know, any other networks at the time, it would just be, it would just show up every week. Someone who had the the feed would just keep making copies and sending them out to you. Yeah. So like they just kept sending them to to this rental store. I just would, you know, go in there and rent them for a dollar a DVD. So it was, uh, it was pretty great. But yeah, that, that place is that place is still there, by the way. It's at the uh, the Mitsuwa in um, in Edgewater, which actually, now that I'm thinking about, second it's not really, shout out to Edgewater on this. Episode. Edgewater, that is true. I had it's a not, I had a job interview like a month ago there. <laughs> That's not their original location. But because they used to be like a standalone store, but they moved into the the Mitsuwa, and yeah, it's still there. It's in like the Mitsuwa in uh, in Edgewater. So that is a uh, it's just kind of crazy. Oh, it's, it's is that by like that big supermarket thing with all yeah the Mitsuwa food court? Yeah, yeah, Mitsuwa is the supermarket. Yeah, the Japanese yeah, supermarket. Oh, I went there when I went out there for the interview. It's great. And it <laughs> was good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you need anything. Uh, Japanese and the the soup the the food court has a really good uh tempura place that I love so that's usually what I get when I go there but it's been a while I haven't gone since pre-covid definitely have to get back out there at some point 
uh but yes so <laughs> the dvd rental store like that's what you should have to do go there rent your dvds and try to vaguely figure out what's going on without any english any english support that's what i did um but yes i don't remember what we oh because i was giving people the link but yeah so, so like that's how if you want to follow noah more and get like uh you know more noah information that's the one to go to there are times when i will get dms uh kevin from people who are like you know how do i follow x company and i start giving this like this just happened like last week this guy asked how do i follow all japan and i start giving him this big long answer i'm like oh, okay well they have an english twitter account they only post this and that uh you know here's this this another website where you can like you know, look at like uh, news articles you can translate, and here's this other website that has results and blah blah blah. And at the very end, I, I wrote him like three paragraphs. He just writes me, "That's great stuff, but I just meant where do I watch it?" And I was like, "Oh, at <laughs> uh, agbw.tv." <laughs> I was like, "I was like, okay, you were just like asking literally how do I watch the fucking thing?" And I'm just like trying to give you all these complicated the directions. deepest stories. <laughs> It was just like, yeah, very, uh, I just the forget. entire backstory of the Joe entire... Dowring. <laughs> it's just very, very, I'm very stupid sometimes. That's the moral of that story. Uh, but yes, I just forget how, um, you know, that sometimes people are just asking where they watch it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, the third and final match we watched on this Noah show, Kazuki Fujita and Kendo Kashin defeating Takashi Sugera and Kazushi Sakuraba. Uh, Fujita pinning Sugera in 9:15 with the face kick. This is fucking awesome. I mean, yeah, no, this was this was like the best match on either show. This was so good. Fujita has that face going for the bell rings. You know the one if you're listening. He had the face. If and, had, yeah, if you've seen him, you know exactly where we're going. And Sugera was looking right back at him, but despite that stare down, it was Kendo and Sakuraba who started out with some mat wrestling. Now I will say. I don't agree it was the best match either show because of the Kendo, Kashin, and Sakuraba portion. Because I was uh, kind of bored. Yeah, I want to see – there's nothing I want to see more than the Kendo, Kashin versus Sakuraba. My the mat wrestling was fine, but then like they started doing like all the fucking – like this stupid shit with like the glass on the outside. I'm so sick of that spot. He, Kendo, Kashin does in every match. I, I, I will never not pop <laughs> I like him too, but like I don't know. He just this is kind of boring me. But then they get back in the ring, and Fujita and Sugera are in the ring, just staring each other down. And the crowd starts going the clap crowd version of apeshit for this. They are clapping so loud. They are so into these two men staring each other down. Which I feel like the cowards who say these stare downs are bad never seem to acknowledge that people in Japan seem to love it. I mean, the clap crowd seemed to love it. It, the, the fucking match with like the the, the half hour stare down with him and go it finished like third place in the uh in one of those big matches like i think it like multiple match of the year polls it made the top three i didn't even see what the like actual in japan ones were this year yeah i, I think this this match uh one of the ones that fans voted for i think it's the the weekly pro wrestling like fan voting one this finished top three so like they love that match fujita and go I think people it also love did well. He's yeah, people love Fujita, but but yeah, I don't know. Like this, uh, so yeah, Fujita and Sugera, they, 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 the fans love the stare downs. I think that's all there is to it. But Sugera had enough of this shit. He starts throwing some elbows, hits a slap, uh, it leads to an elbow exchange, and these elbows got really hard, especially from Fujita, who just like fucking 
just he's just fucking hitting this guy in the face. Uh, Sagara does start throwing some harder elbows as well. Then they start throwing these hard slaps to the face. They really just let each other have it. Then they switch to the chest. And I've seen so many between New Japan and All Japan, especially in All Japan, the Champion Carnival so far, so many pedestrian strike exchanges that went on way too long. And like, there was one on like All Japan, either night four or five, that was like super pedestrian and went on forever. And this was like so much better. Like, this is one just, of like the best one of these I've seen in like a long, long time. <laughs> they were just beating the piss out of each other for this entire, the entire portion. And again, this is this is not even the title match. This is just a hype tag on a Corkin. So you know, this was awesome, awesome stuff. And Fujita finally drops Sugera with a standing lariat. Sugera gets right back up. So Fujita just hits a second one that puts him down. He hates. He hits uh, two straight soccer ball kicks. He pulls the ref off when he tries to check on him. Hits a third, covers him with one knee, with one knee, and that's the pen. So he pinned his challenger ahead of the title match this month in Nagoya. We'll see if that means. But uh, yeah, this was like sub ten minutes. But like, uh, and I thought again, I thought the Kendo Kashim versus Sakuraba part was pretty throwaway. But Sugara versus Vegeta was fucking awesome. So I split the difference and went three and a half on this as well. But I think it was the match of the night because the uh, the Fujita and Sugera stuff was just so great. Yeah, I thought this whole thing was great. I hope I hope they just use Fujita forever. Somehow, like the flabbier and kind of sillier looking he gets, the better he gets. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it is a it is just a <laughs> I don't know. It's like like Fujita. I don't know. Like the 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 more the more like old and like it like really just adds to his vibe i guess you know like he looks like a old fucking master or something it looks like he could kill you by looking at you which is exactly what he tries to do i guess he just kill, tries to kill you by looking at you so it was a great all-time teddy tweet you remember, uh what do you, i don't know if you're watching the Fujita go match live when I think Teddy just like tweeted out, they're going so fast you can't even see them. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I mean that's no, pretty much. I don't remember that one. That's very good. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I I love Fujita. Fujita is a point when when people talk shit about Kazuki Fujita at this point, I immediately think less of their opinion because there, like, I think <laughs> I think like ninety five percent of these people whining about shit they never watched. Yeah. It's like, I don't really, I mean, people are like, oh, he's so unsafe and so horrible. I'm like, I never. I don't know. He he never looks like he's, he slaps hard. He he definitely beats, he like elbows the shit out of people. The the kicks don't look that bad. No, the, the only kicks time, look fine. Like those it, slaps probably sting a bit, but like that's, you, you sign up for this. Yeah. I don't think any of those guys are complaining that he slaps them too hard. Like, like I remember he did some really hard kicks against, uh, what's his name in that match? The, uh. He's now been the Funky Express. Uh, Shuhei Tanaguchi. And, and that, that crazy fucking five-minute match they had at Sumo Hall in late 2019. But, like, they probably, like, decided to do that before the match. Like, he probably was like, okay, kick me as hard as you can. I'm like, because this is how we're going to get noticed. It's like, I don't know. Like, you can you can clearly see that he can hold back on these kicks if he, you know, if, if he needs to. And these, these kicks that he did here, I didn't think were that bad. But, uh... I don't know. He's people been doing this for a while. I think he knows how to pull a punch by now. Yeah. I think people really overhype the unsafe thing, especially when it's like pro wrestling and like, you know, 
lots of stuff that people don't think of as unsafe is uh, very unsafe. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, nobody ever like screams about it's one of these things where it's like, okay, people love to scream about like Fujita being unsafe because he's a shooter or whatever, but no one watches uh, like Kenny Omega give Okada a dragon suplex off the top rope, which I guarantee you fucked up Okada more than half the shit people are complaining about with Fujita. No one ever watches that spot and goes, that's someone safe. I mean, I guess some people do, but you know, I mean, like, some people definitely no, do. The, the like, same people who yell at Fujita definitely don't. Yeah, no, it's definitely, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think most Fujita hate is people complaining about something 20 years ago. They never actually watched. Yeah. So he owns, he definitely owns now. And most of the stuff from 20 years ago is great too. Yeah, no, he owns oh. then too. <laughs> I mean, he, he deserves to get full credit for people. Something. People should watch that Tanahashi match from like new Japan. I think, Oh, four. It's somewhere around there. The Shibata match is awesome from around the same time. I mean, there's so much cool stuff in that, in that run too. It's one of these things where like people, I don't know, like there was a, there's a certain narrative around that era of new Japan, obviously. And like, you know, Fujita gets a lot of the, the he, get, he weirdly gets a lot of the blame like he was booking the fucking thing or something. But I'm like, no, if you just want to just watch the matches, the matches are great. So who I wonder who like the who the person who is all of this stuff always ends from like one specific guy like 20 years ago being the only one who was like posting about this in English. Who was the guy that started the Fujita hate? Uh, maybe like Zach Arnold or somebody. Did what did Ditch think of what was Ditch a Fujita head? I feel like Ditch I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember what Ditch thought of him. I mean, I'm sure Meltzer probably hated him. Oh yeah, there's Dave, no way. There's no way yeah. Dave liked him. Yeah, Dave, I'm sure hated him. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I can't really. I wonder if Stewart liked him. I'm gonna be like a very normal person after we do this and like scour the ditch to figure out. Like, <laughs> If it's yeah. up, he takes it down. Like he keeps taking it down until uh, people then ask him to put it back up. Yeah, because he's no longer involved in anything wrestling, right? Uh, no. Yeah. yeah. He only. Do you know what he does now? I don't. Is it like do, something right wing or something? Do you know what the Heritage Foundation is? Oh, is he really with the Heritage Foundation? <laughs> he he writes. He just like writes articles about how bad he hates roads for the Heritage Foundation. How about he hates roads? Yes. Okay. He, he just hates public infrastructure. Oh, okay. Well, because I know there's there's some other like like Death Valley driver guy who like is a full on white nationalist. I can't remember his Do name. Do you know about Parv? That's what I'm thinking of. I think. Yeah, right. Parv yeah. used to be like a knockoff Sargon of Akkad. Yeah. So like, there's so many of these types. Uh, you know, <laughs> they turned out to be. I guess the kids would say problematic. Also, uh, speaking of PWO, are you ready for GWE to come back? No, I no. went to this. I joined the Slack channel. Did you? Did you ever join the Slack channel? Oh, I was in the Slack channel. It's horrible. It was like basically, I don't know, like some of the most annoying gimmicks, like gimmicking in the middle of like people trying to have sincere conversations, and like I was in that as smoking Yoshino. Smoking Yoshino. I don't know if I saw you or not. I was there like really early. And oh yeah, I found it way later after somebody like specifically told me. It was, yeah, was I think I was there pre- pretty early. I never yeah, said Mike anything. put me onto that. I never said anything because I was just like watching it and like trying to see if there's anything worth. 
I don't know. Like I, I'm at this point, I feel like I'm too old to just do out and out trolling. I'm not really that interested in like, I don't know. I'm not really that interested in arguing about wrestlers at this point. It just kind of seems like I don't really give a shit. It's like, if you like, if you love, if you think this guy who I think is stupid is the best wrestler of all time, that's good. I don't really care. It's not a big I deal. I disagree. I think I will keep fighting <laughs> until everyone agrees that it's just Inoki. Okay. But I don't, I just not, nothing really bothers me. Like, I've, some, I guess I get a little annoyed when people say Naito's bad or whatever, but that's like about the only one that, uh, I, at this yeah, point, I just need to spread the word of the big chin karate man. There you go. But at this point, even with Naito, it's like he's already, he basically won that fucking war. He got his big run. Yeah, he got his he got his big win. He got his big title run. I don't think. Yeah, uh, it's pretty much. I don't think there's anything to fight there. Yeah, and I don't I don't really feel that passionate about any uh, younger wrestlers at this point. So I don't know. Just don't really. the The entire like, I mean, it feels like the 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 discourse of wrestling right now is just like so boring. I don't. It's like everybody's like gets gets together, to yell about like ratings and like. There's just so much of it that's oh. happening at once now, that it's like the discourse is. It's only people reacting to things that's happening now. Yeah, which I mean, is just like, not it gets kind of tiring. Yeah, there's just like nothing. There's nothing interesting going on, I guess. I don't know. I feel like I look at Twitter, I scroll through these tweets, there's never any I mean you you you've followed me on Twitter a while. I used to get in these fucking arguments with people. Yeah, um, they're I don't know, just the way people talk about this shit is different now. Yeah, there's no there's no arguments to get in anymore. I mean there's just nothing maybe I'm just getting old. But there's I think a lot of it is like the fan base for this feels like it's grown pretty exponentially in the past yeah. like two or three years even. Yeah. So I it just most of the people who talk about this shit now have like no interest in just pedantically screaming about two thousand three New Japan booking because they're all normal and they've never watched that. <laughs> I, I, I really think that's mostly it. And not in like and I, not in like a condescending, oh, they never saw anything. Like it just like they just most of these people didn't watch this until four years ago. Yeah, there's just no I don't know. There's no and like the the big thing in the Nick the New Japan circles used to be like people yelling about Kenny Omega and stuff, and that's completely gone now. Yeah, I mean, like, like, I think I I don't think people will fight Osprey as hard because I think the people who are mad about him are maybe not all of them are going to stop watching, but they're all going to stop talking about it. Yeah, yeah, the Osprey people are like the Osprey thing has not become the same. Well, the, the thing with the Osprey thing is there's. If it was just his wrestling, I think, and it's just like his yeah. persona, no was, one attacked Kenny with like, or not even attacked because that's that's the wrong way to put it. But yeah. no one disliked Kenny in the same way. Yeah, exactly. Like there, if it was just that, I think there'd be like crazy Osprey things going on right now. But like with this with this Osprey thing, you have a, a huge subset of the people who actually like watching him just don't want to defend him anyway. So yeah, like nobody wants to log on Twitter and be like, yeah, Osprey's great because it's like, well. You look like a fucking. No magnet. one wants. No one wants to be like the Benoit fan. Yeah, or like exactly. the Teddy Hart fan, or like any of that. No one wants. Even you kind of have to enjoy that guy in silence. You can't go to bat for him anymore. Yeah. So nobody. So the, so the argument's kind of very uh, uh, neutered on both sides, I guess. Yeah. He's, no one wants to say, well, actually, he's good, but then like you, and then just be told they support rape. Yeah, so no one want like no one wants to end up in that point. Yeah, so it's just and people just kind of, and people in general just like retreat to their corners and stuff. 
So especially like the New Japan people seem to have like all moved to Discords. Yeah. Which are, you know, them more than any of the fan bases seem like the one that's just like the most kind of away from everyone else now. Yeah, the discords are. I'm in like two. I'm in the Super J Cast and the Voice Wrestling Network one. I guess things can get uh, a little heated in both of them, but still not as much, I guess. There's probably way less people who just have wildly different opinions in the crowd in there. Yeah, like you, you can't really understand like 2016 through 2018. Pure old Twitter, unless you lived through it, I guess. Because it was, it was Where fucking everyone wild. was arguing about some like very fun shit. <laughs> yeah, it was like nonstop people screaming at each other about Enochiism and oh, you yeah. know, Remember the Enochiists, the Enochiist people. <laughs> people spent so much time Dude, yelling. There were, it was like fifteen guys who watched like three shows of Big Mouth Loud on YouTube <laughs> that had like three hundred other people yelling about them for like three months. Yeah, it was like it was like fifteen people. They were all sixteen years old. They all they you could they all didn't watch any of it, and people were like obsessed with them. It was like, they were so mad about these guys. I know everybody. The Enochiist Chronicles. It was really something. Then, of course, you get the Enochiist Civil Wars that went on for a long time after that, which uh, which was maybe even funnier than the actual Enochiism. Like you knew a group like that could never stay together. No, and now I think most of, at least the ones I remember, just all don't even talk about this stuff anymore. Yeah, there's a there's a few that talk about it a little bit, I guess, but like yeah, a lot of them. Yeah, most of like the people involved in that, at least the ones I still follow, just seem to all like have moved on from it completely. Yeah, but they're not lifers like you and me, Kevin. No, they. You're not old. They're you're not, not old. like arguing on old forums about how people need to watch like Bob Backlund and Oki matches. <laughs> you're not like the. I don't know if you're old enough yet to be considered a lifer. I don't once think I, I am. I once think I, I, I think certain... I need to hit. I think I need to hit thirty. Yeah. Like, once you hit 30 and you're still watching wrestling and, like, talking about the internet, it's just like, okay, well, I guess I'm never getting out of this. But uh... Yeah, I feel like I'm already <laughs> stuck with it, but it still needs to be, like, a few more years. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that was Noah, because, again, we didn't watch the uh, first four matches. I'll get the results anyway. What the fuck? Uh, match four was uh, Ogawa, Hayata, and Susumu beating Kotaro Suzuki, Ikuda Hodaka, and Nosawa out of the question uh, in thirteen sixteen. It's still awesome how it translates that. And Nosawa Ronge, Nosawa out of the question. Uh, tag team match. The team is going to be teaming up in the Noah DET show. Uh, Kaito Kiyomiya and Yoshiki Inamura. They get the win over the Funky Express. Mohamed Yone and Shuhei Tanaguchi. Uh, Kaito pinning uh, or submitting, it looks like, Tanaguchi in 1209. Um... I kind of need to go back and watch that at least, just to see Funky Tanaguchi. Seems like it'll be gonna be awesome. Have you seen any of the pictures of Funky Tanaguchi yet? I have, and it's very good. I know yeah. you were a Bushino like watcher, unfortunately, so I know you love Maybach. Yeah, I love Maybach. It's true. I want his, I want his staff back. <laughs> I really like the staff. Yeah, I mean the, the Maybach gimmick was like. You have to really go even further back because, like, when that gimmick just dropped into Noah, which I, I feel like people who saw Evil drop into New Japan 
thought that was really weird. And it was it was pretty fucking weird when Evil dropped into New Japan, full King of Darkness with the scythe and everything. But Maybach dropping into Noah in like 09 or, or 2010 or whatever the fuck it was, was way weirder. Because like Noah at that point was like completely serious promotion, had never really had anything cartoony at all. And here comes this fucking staff carrying uh, fucking, I don't know what the hell he's supposed to be. Like the Angel of Death Man or something. It's like I remember everybody being like, "What the fuck is this?" It was very confusing. Uh, even, Her- oh, sorry, when, even when I first started posting about no, that was only like twelve or thirteen, and even then there were only like thirty people who were watching it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, these, it's insane these... seeing how much the like the base for some of this stuff has grown. Yeah. I mean, people say, oh, nobody watches anything except New Japan. I'm like, oh, you don't know what nobody watching. Yeah, I've <laughs> definitely seen, like, English Noah shows that have probably been seen by 40 other English-speaking people, you know? Yeah. Uh, Daisuke Harada beating Kawaii Fujimura in 6-11. And then your opener was Ohara, Yoshioka, and Yohei beating Juta Miyawaki, Kenya Okada, and Yasutaka Yano in 10-36. Uh, again, sorry we couldn't get to these first four matches, but you know, for these no iron cards, my reviews are usually like, this is pretty good. This is fine. I mean, I'm usually not much to say about these things anyway, so. I'm yeah. sure, yeah, I'm sure these were all fine. Uh, our last thing on Noah, I guess, the upcoming show, Noah the Glory, on Thursday, April 29th, is their upcoming big show, which we will cover here on Omakase. Uh, the main event, the GHC heavyweight title, Heiji Mudo versus Mata Kitamiya. I would agree with what you said earlier. Probably no chance Kedemia wins this one. I, just... they, I mean, even if you hate Mudo and like the deepest level, I think you you probably just have to accept that he's holding the belt until at least the big dome show. Yeah, you're just gonna you're just gonna have to live with him until that. I think. Uh, then the match I cannot fucking wait for: Kazuki Fujita and Takashi Sugara for the GHC National Title. Uh, Sugara could win that. I could say it. I think. But, he, uh... I think he probably will. Yeah. Uh, but this this is gonna fucking own. I cannot wait for this match. I mean, these two are gonna beat the shit out of each other. But uh, you would probably fun. you would probably know better than me because you can actually sort of read his posts. But where is Hideki? Hideki Suzuki. Yeah. Uh, good question. I don't. Know. It really feels like they have the entire oh, squad you- other than him. They really just need to complete the gang. Yeah. I mean, you you really overstate my Japanese reading abilities, I have to say. I mean, it's better than mine, which is zero. <laughs> uh, Hide- so Hideki only ever tweets about fucking... He loves like, soccer. Yeah, he loves the soccer. The jur- a journal. Yeah, I mean, he is a... Uh, I don't know. Like, I don't, he, he has retweeted some random... Like, he tweets about thing. Julia. Yeah, he tweets about Julia. I don't really see anything like saying, this is where I'm at, this is what I'm doing. Okay, here's a picture of him on a beach. He's hanging out by a, a fucking dragon. Hideki's one of these people like, who I always, like, uh, I follow, who, like, you follow in wrestling. Um, oh, he's tweeting about the, he has a lot of tweets about the Super League. Uh, he wants to know if this, the Super League means the end of UEFA. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, he, there's tons of... He, he, that one site, every time I see the site on the feed, I just know that Hideki is doing okay. <laughs> But yes, what I was going to say is Hideki is one of these people who's in wrestling that has to be independently wealthy. Because I don't understand how else he's like living his life otherwise. Because he never wrestles regularly for a promotion more than like, you know, three months at a time. 
and he half the time when I look at his feet, it's like here here I am next to a random dragon on a beach somewhere, like a dragon statue. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that, you're just backpacking around Japan. I don't I don't know. Like he's a guy who does not. I, I don't. He m- money must not be a big thing for him. I don't know what to say. No. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's like every couple. It feels like every six to eight months now. There's someone saying he's like about to be signed, but it also doesn't feel like WWE is exactly loading up on Japanese people anymore. Yeah, so I don't know. So he could just be kind of vanishing for his like every couple of months thing. Yeah, I mean, supposedly, um, you know. Like supposedly the WWE Japan thing is not dead or NXT Japan, unfortunately. But uh, so I guess they could, he could just be waiting. But I don't know. At this point, it seems like, it seemed like the original wave of people they were gonna bring into it either gave up or got moved well, to different places. Yeah, Mako went to UK. So yeah, Akiyama obviously is just never there. Yeah, I don't know what Kendo Kashin was supposed to do, but he came home. Yeah, he was on. He was a. He was briefly like an NXT trainer in the. He was in Florida. Yeah. Yeah, he was in Florida, so I don't know. Well, the point is, I don't know why Dickie's doing, but he should show up soon because he is awesome. Yeah, we we do need him. They have everyone else. <laughs> they need him too. Uh, the third and final match announced for the show so far: the GHC Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Titles, Yoshinari Ogawa and Hayata defending against Ikuda Hodaka and Osawa Rangai. That could be great. The only thing holding it back is Hayata, who, like, I, I maintain is like he's like the one Noah Junior that to me is like, like people say, oh, the Noah Junior business is bad. It's usually great, but Hayata is not good. I don't know what the thing, the deal is with him. He's he's like the one guy who drags some of these matches down for me. But uh, you know, the other three are so good though that I don't. He, this should still be good. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, 
and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. If I could have a moment of your time, I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors, Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all three-in-one offering you triple security so you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door but it's not just for security the eufy video lock is also for convenience no more concerns about losing keys and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras some other great features we love about the eufy video lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a phillips screwdriver no drilling required keyless entry no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full you never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters you also have 0.3 second 0.3 second fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking again 0.3 seconds it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock and with the ai self-learning chip embedded the more you use it the more accurate it will be also no battery anxiety you have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out. Uh, passcode unlocking a remote control with the 2K clear sight. See who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service. Eufy's got you handled as well. They are on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Eufy video lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys and reach in my pocket or wait, no crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the UV video lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition. One second, door is unlocked. Much, much easier. So if you want to jump on board with Eufy Video Lock, search Eufy Video Lock. That is E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Again, that's Eufy Video Lock, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. I don't know. No thoughts on the big junior tag title match. Oh, did I lose you? Am I am I am I good? 
Yeah, you're good. I'm sorry, I lost you. For... Okay, I was saying the, the junior tag title match, uh, Ogawa and Hayata against Hidaka and Nosawa Rangai. Uh, any thoughts on that? My, my only thought oh, was... That'll be, that'll be good. Yeah, like three out and of four Nosawa matches are good. Ogawa will not give us something bad. I trust, I trust their judgment. Yeah, three out of four guys are good. I, n- I never really like Hayata that much, but, you know. He's fine. Yeah. Uh, so there's your Noah. Okay, let's get over to Tokyo Joshi, still incomplete, in front of 510 fans. I don't know how we went, like, over an hour on three matches, so we'll try to... Um, we we so many talking about the Enochiists, but I have something <laughs> else. There's breaking news. Oh, uh, what's the breaking news? Uh, that, that is MLW got a Vice TV contract. Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> what, is that a promotion people really watch? That feels like one of these promotions. Lanzo like, watches it? I, I guess. Is that the only person? I've never Someone heard of anyone else watching, watching it. Shit. I've never heard of let anyone see, else I think they put their show on YouTube. Let me let me take a... I mean, the, the last time I remember anyone talking about anything that happened on MLW television was when they ran an angle about like the Lucha Brothers getting deported. <laughs> and that was a while ago now. I like have been to multiple MLW TV tapings. Really? Yes. Yeah, I've I have not. <laughs> have you ever been to an ROH TV taping? Yeah, they're they're horrible. Yes. So yeah. imagine that, but lower rent. And <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty bad. Uh, okay, so the, but, um, the last episode of MLW Fusion was five days ago. It was main evented by Alex Hammerstone versus Mil Mortez, two Noah legends, I believe. Okay. <laughs> But uh, it has 76,000 views. Okay. It's, look, somebody's watching it, I guess. I yeah, know. people are watching MLW. I, it looks like they get like eighty to 100,000 views of all their episodes in like a week. Yeah. Good for them, I guess. I don't know. They have like <laughs> the, the current generation Von Elric kids. Oh, including the one who's the, the one from the, the AC Von Elric is crazy? I don't think they brought her in, but they should. Okay. Yeah. You they see that montage of her at WrestleCon? No, I didn't. <laughs> okay. So she, Lacey Von Eric, for people haven't seen this, we're getting off topic again, but I got I got to tell this one. So she, her whole thing is she will go to these WrestleCons to make money, but she, she never watched wrestling and she fucking hates it because, you know, it killed her fucking whole family. So it's understandable. Yeah. So no, she, it's totally reasonable. So she's wandering around this WrestleCon. You know, in between making comments about how uh, she hates masking, she hates wearing a mask. She's basically just like trying to understand what's going on. She'll, she'll run into wrestlers and be like, "There's a, like she runs into Kevin Nash wearing an NWO sh- or uh, an NWO shirt." Apparently, thinks that's MLW, and says like, "Oh, you work for them too?" And Kevin Nash is like, "Huh?" And she's like, "You work for them, right? For them, the one on your shirt." And he's like, "Yeah." And she's like, oh, yeah, me too. And then she, like, leaves. That's the entire conversation with Kevin Nash. There's no must idea. have, like, a parody in the Fuo shirt that she saw. And she, like, runs into Ted DiBiase and, like, on camera, like, says that, you know, oh, you work for WWE? Yeah, they killed my fu- they killed my dad. And, like, wanders off and Ted gets this look on his face. Like, he is not happy. Because I guess he's wearing, like, a WWE, like, uh... You know, like a WWE, like off, like a polo, and yeah, it's just an amazing video. You have to go watch it. Like I, I do. I, I want to see Twitter. her cute. I want to see her just like assault <laughs> the million dollar man. Like that. it's like really, it is really uh 
it's really something that that whole video so yeah it's really worth watching but yeah she's she seems insane but you know in a in a good way yeah, this, that's like the essential <laughs> part of this. Yeah. Hey, folks, it's time for another awkwardly inserted ad read here since I forgot to record it while we're recording live for the second week in a row. But I just need to let you know here that Wrestling Omakase this week is once again brought to you by Manscaped. Now, if you've ever been sitting around at home asking yourself, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming? There's only one answer to that. It is Manscaped. They offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over the technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men. Folks, like I said last week, that's a lot of men. Over 2 million men worldwide uh, trust Manscaped to give them the best grooming experience. And now you can too, because we have an exclusive offer for my listeners, 20% off and free shipping with the promo code OMAKASE. That's O-M-A-K-A-S-E at manscaped.com. So basically here, uh, if you want to trim that junk of yours, 20% off, free shipping with the code OMAKASE at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. So, you know, get 20% off right now, free shipping right now, promo code omakase, manscaped.com. That's 20% off, free shipping, manscaped.com, with our promo code omakase. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. So let's get to Tokyo Joshi. Uh, Still incomplete, April 17th, 2021. Cork and Hall, 510 fans. 200 plus more than these New Japan Corrigans lately. These, I I watched this live with people, and thankfully we like all were in agreement of just the mutual respect for like the absolute beasts that show up in the middle of a deadly pandemic to watch Tokyo Pro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in a country like they can't, like you cannot even get vaccinated in Japan. You can't, unless you're like a medical worker, you, you're not getting vaccinated right now in Japan. I think they've vaccinated like 5,000 old people or something. Like total, uh, like these people are the real crazy people. Never mind the Russell Khan, uh, or not Russell Khan, the uh, the GCW people. Like some of those twenty people might have been vaccinated, you know. And and you know, I mean, that's, did you watch any of the many shows? I, I did not. I was shocked with how many people were at like the Friday and Saturday night shows. Oh yeah. Well, I, I, saw, I, the, I saw the pictures of the day where there was like fifteen people, but it looked like they they had hundreds of people at the night ones. Well, nothing really surprised. Yeah, but uh, I didn't think enough people flew in to like get that many people there. Because I didn't. This is the first year for me a weekend where I had I did not know a single person who was going. No, I mean, which is I expect. I assumed it was just people who lived in driving distance. Yeah, because like I did not know a single person, and you know, obviously, tons and tons of people I know go to many a weekend, and I, you know, I knew at this point I know twenty plus every year. And I know plenty, plenty of people who. I mean, I'm fully vaccinated. I could have gone, I guess, pretty safely. I am not. I just got the first one. Yeah, I mean, I I got the first one like February fifteenth or something. So, you know, I was I would have been past my two weeks for my second shot. Uh, I just was not going to fly to Florida to see this media weekend. No, I mean, it really, no. really was not a safety issue for me. I'm just yeah, I just sure. wouldn't go. 
I just wouldn't go to Florida. Are you saying you don't want to? Are you saying you don't want to go to Florida in the middle of a pandemic to watch uh, Alley Cat's real hot? <laughs> I guess that's what I'm saying. But yeah, I don't believe you. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, you're right. These these people are the true madmen, madmen and women. Yeah, these are like <laughs> the true beasts that keep the Tokyo Joshi Pro fandom alive. Uh, but yes, the main event here for the Princess and Princess title. Rika Tatsumi defeats Maki Ito with the missile hip in 1936 for her second defense. Uh, apparently, this is we're going to disagree here because I thought this was good. Um, I I really expected to like love love this, and I thought it was just okay. Yeah, I mean this. I I you might be the. I mean, you might they might be more like I know Liam uh, and the first. It seemed flag. like it's the people I talked to. It seemed like it was like 60-40. Like, really liked it. Yeah. I mean, I was a little bit below four stars, but I thought it was really good. Um, you know, like, Maki was, like, really taking control of this one from the start, like, really working over Rika. Uh, but Rika, of course, fired up with these multiple hip attacks for a two count. Um, you know, Maki got a DDT on the apron just before the 10-minute call. And then Maki, you know, this I loved. She started, like, specifically targeting Rika's hips with her head butts. Uh, and she hits like one off the top rope. It looks like it lands directly on the hip. And this is equal parts logical and ridiculous looking. So <laughs> I really liked it. Uh, Maki at one point just starts fucking biting Rika's hand out of nowhere. Uh, you know, v- very vicious. And Rika, though, gets Maki in the dragon sleeper. Maki puts her middle finger up when the referee starts dropping her arm to check on it. Um, Maki then gets her own dragon sleeper on. But Rika, or, and then turns it into a DET, just when it looks like Rika's about to get out. And Rika gets a top rope, like, twist of fate, or like a cuddle, a cutter, I mean. Uh, very Nigel McGuinness style, I thought. I remember you said the, the London Tower, I think he called it. Uh, that was a very close near fall. And she goes for the Dragon Sleeper again. Maki avoids it, gets a jackknife hold for her own very close near fall but then runs right into a very big hip attack from Rika. You know, when she really gets great, uh, on some of these hip attacks, she gets, like, a great standing leap, and she got a really great one here. Uh, and then Rika hits the twist of fate, uh, the missile hip, and that's the pin. I thought it was really good by the end. A little slow, maybe, but it built I well. What, I, my only issue, it felt like they just did way too many, like, kickouts. Mm-hmm. I thought they and there there was one point where they just did they they did like a kind of like stunner like move for the second time and I'm just like all right let's let's take this home let's get on this. <laughs> yeah I don't know it, I thought it built really well with good drama I mean it's Sam spoiled so that helped oh uh, uh, yeah I watched it live so I was not this is yeah. the this is the best promotion because they run all of their shows to finish at like midnight our time yeah. But it was like a, you know, a, I had a sincere feeling of not knowing which way this was going to. So yeah, I was 50-50 going into it. Yeah. So I went three and three quarters. Really enjoyed it. Uh, just not quite a four-star level to me. Uh, afterwards, Rika delivered a promo where she puts over Maki Ito and then challenges Miyu Yamashita, the former super ace. Uh, I'm not really surprised by that considering what happened on the undercard, which we'll get to. Yeah, I also yeah, I don't know who else would have been. It feels like they've done if, like all the other names. Yeah. And Rika says you're not, not, not going to do a Saki Samix. She obviously again the next result we'll get to. Yeah. And you're not I don't think they're going to do title versus title already. It feels like they just made that other belt. Yeah, last year I think. 
they made an international title like right before the pandemic, which is uh, is that still technically on Thunder Rosa? Or did they pass that? Series? No, well that well that's now it was in match five with Yuki Kamifuka. Oh, I don't know why I'm thinking. Like, I'm thinking of like a third title for some reason. I see. No, it's like a second title. Yeah, second second mm-hmm. title. But Rika says uh, she's never beaten Miyu. Uh, that doesn't seem to be true though. She pinned Miyu according to Cage Match for the DDT Iron Man title in November 2018 in Saitama. Uh, it doesn't even have a match time listed, though, so probably just under some wacky circumstance, and she's not counting that. So Yeah, I assume, yeah. I assume that's non-counting. But either way, she's, she seems to be 0-3 against Miyu in quote-unquote normal singles matches. Their last meeting was a Princess of Princess title match at Corken Hall, May 3rd, 2018. So it's kind of like coming full circle here because they're going to meet again. I know um, I had that as a top five match of the year, the year they did that. Yeah, that was an awesome match. I remember that one. But they're going to meet here May 4th, 2021, back at Corrigan. So three years later. Uh, does Yamashita win? We'll put you on the spot. I say no. Um, I How long ago did she lose the belt? It's been, it's been a while now. It's been like, I think like 2019, like mid-2019. I think, I think she's going to win. Yeah. I don't see like the, I don't know. I don't see who the next person is if they don't drop it here. I feel like they beat everyone high on the card. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, uh, so I'll, I'll say yes. I think they're going to change it here. I forgot to mention, by the way, a, free, a full pre-show, a few uh, pre-show announcements I want to mention. Um, they, the show opened with the announcement of this year's Princess Cup schedule. So they're doing four straight shows at Shinkiba, uh, July 22nd through July 25th for the first and second rounds. A, the semifinals on July 31st at Shinjuku Face. Then the finals will be uh, August 15th at Corican Hall. Uh, we will have daily tournament coverage, just like we did last year on the Omakase Patreon. So, patreon.com slash wrestling omakase. How long have you been watching this promotion? Uh, for, I think, since like, God, I don't know about the year. Whatever, whenever they were doing Saki Sama versus Rika Tatsumi the first time, so I want to say that's 2017. I feel like I started watching it like whenever the first DDT universe launched and they started putting it up was when I started watching Yeah, so we probably started watching the exact same time. I can't believe how good like all of these people are now. Yeah, I know. It's very funny to think of just how much like most of these people sucked. Yeah, I know. So let me see, where can I where can I find Saki? Let's see if I can find her matches. But yeah, I mean I just remember when I first started watching, whenever that was. Uh, I don't know what I don't know what year DT Universe launched. It was it twenty seventeen? Maybe it was twenty sixteen? I don't know. I think it was seventeen or eighteen, yeah. Okay. Cause it looks like Rika okay, so it looks like the big Saki Sama and Rika Tatsumi feud like they did a little a few matches twenty fifteen, but it looks like the big feud was twenty seventeen. So that has to be when I was watching. So because I definitely remember that feud. So that was because I remember thinking that feud was like the only good thing in the company at the time because like so many of those other wrestlers, like you said, were just not good. So no, yeah, that was like the very earliest part of all these people's career. Yeah, and I don't know. It seems like they've gotten the rookies they've gotten since have been a little better, quicker, probably. Yeah, maybe they, it's just being some of them have just they they definitely have their share of bombs, but like one of every three of them is picking it up somewhat quick now. Yeah, I'm sure it's probably just being able to work with people who other people know what they're doing instead of like, you know, all of them trying to figure it out together at once, which was really something. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so I was, yeah, so you and I probably started watching around the same time 
Because I, I remember having a conversation with uh, Jamie, who runs the Dramatic DET site, and just talking about like how bad it was. Now we might have been the only two people watching it, but uh, it's like uh, it's like <laughs> you two, me, Teddy. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, like it the really, only true original Nadoka heads. <laughs> it really picked up after that, but uh, you know. Anyway, the other thing, the other big thing we got pre-show here is we meet Yuki Arai, who is a current member of the idol group SKE48. Is uh, that one of the big ones? That is one of the big ones, one of the 48 groups. I mean, that's the one that, uh, if you, do you remember the name Jirina Matsuri? That was she the was person like, they used to have do like the New Japan. Yeah, and she, she had like a crush on Kenny Omega. That was always a thing. And like, yeah, she, uh, she was like SKE48's like ace of the group until or center, whatever the fuck they call it. I should, that's my friend Ethan. He knows all... He idols this is like his whole life. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Aka, uh, Yuki Arai. She's from SKE48. Uh, Jarena just graduated, by the way. I think like... Oh, I think like literally a week ago was her graduation concert. Oh, that's what all the... That's who's with like all the pictures they have of Marufuji flexing in the idol concert. <laughs> I guess right? so. Right? You, have you yeah. seen these? I haven't seen them. I don't know. But... But yeah, so Yuki Arai, she debuts with Tokyo Joshi, Tokyo Joshi on the May 4th Korokin. So I guess she will be the first ever active idol roster member of like a real Joshi promotion because, I mean, they, obviously all those idols had their own promotion and, you know, where like uh, Aja Kong trade them and stuff. But I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe the, I should ask the... Uh, some like Joshi expert people. Yeah, you know, someone I know. I know this can't be true. No offense. I think you do too. But yeah. I have no idea what the right answer is. It's probably yeah. someone in 1992 from yeah. They're probably there must have been some other. There must be some other idol group that put a fucking wrestler, but like full time. I guess is the question. I don't know. I want. So I guess we'll, are they are they putting like real money into this now? I don't know. It's a good question, right? Because the. The idea of them having like money to play with with this promotion is always so funny. <laughs> there's just so many funny people on this roster. Yeah, like the more like quote unquote actually good people you bring in, the weirder it's gonna get. Yeah, like having to having to have like normal people do Rocko matches. <laughs> uh, Yuki Arai said, "Quote and again, uh, DT Pro underscore ENG for all these translations." DT Tokyo Joshi uh, English update. So if you don't know that he did, obviously we use him all the time for DDT, but uses uh, his Twitter translations. But also he does a very Tokyo Joshi show too. So uh, she said, "quote I will be debuting as a wrestler while being an idol, so I'm still a bit nervous whether you fans will accept me. But I hope that people will look back to my debut as as a success. Watch me grow and evolve." So there you go. And the Tokyo Joshi show she's debuting at will also have English commentary. So. I don't, they didn't they say. I don't British know if they said, back. They didn't say live. I don't know if it's going to be live or not. They bring. Like, I feel like it's it's always live. Okay. It? I don't know. I'm I trying to think. It. The last time I tried to watch it live, that it wasn't. It feels like every time I want to watch it, it's always on live. Okay, so I'll try it out if it's going to be live. So I'm sure we'll cover it because you know the Corkins are fun. Uh, then the Up Up Girls came out to do a performance. If you're wondering, Raku's train of the day is the uh, Odo Rico which is a limited express train service in Japan uh, operated by JR East and JR Central and the EZQ Corporation and Izu Hakone Railway, which runs between Tokyo and EZQ Shimoda uh, or uh, Shuzenji 
in in Shizuoka Prefecture. How many Raku trains of the day have you personally been on? (laughs) I don't know. I definitely haven't been on that one. But I've been on a bunch of them. That one sounds a little bit specific. (laughs) Yeah, that one sounds like like it's a little obscure probably, but that's her train of the day. (laughs) The Raku train of the day. Someone, I hope someone's keeping a list. I really, if you're this keeping a list, the, this is the best promotion in the world, right? <laughs> it's high up there. If you're keeping a list of Raku Train of the Days, please uh, at me on Twitter at Russell Omakase. We need to figure I, out how many you've been on. Yeah, I really want to know the Raku Train of the Day. You've been to Japan, haven't you? For very briefly. Okay, so you probably haven't been on that many trains. In the no, day. Raku Train of the Day. I don't know why, but when when I read that. You know, when I when I hear her start talking, I'm, I think of like Booker T's Fave Five. So that's the same. It has the same energy. It has the same energy to me as the Fave Five. <laughs> so the Booker T Fave Five, the Raku Train of the Day. That's the same energy to me. But there you go. Uh, the semifinal for the Princess Tag Team Titles. Uh, I'm sure you were very upset, Saki Sama. And May Saint Michelle, uh, they defeated Nadoka Tema and Yuki Aino when uh, May pinned Aino with a cradle in 1736. So the Bakaretsu sisters fail in their third defense, and Niobishiki Goon become the eighth tag team champions. Do you want to? Uh, you could probably pass this pop quiz. This is Saki. Do you know what what? Uh, how many tag title reigns Saki Sama's had? Um, tag title reigns, I'm going to say three. Yes. There's her third one. Do you, can you remember her for two prior partners? Um, one was Azusa Christie and yes. the other was Hyper Maceo, right? Yeah, there you go. So she's had three tag title reigns with three different partners. So, uh, obviously both are record. I don't think anyone else has even held these belt tw- belts twice so far, so. Uh, yeah, I don't think anyone else has had it. Three out of eight. It feels like they split. They always split the tag teams up, other than this one. Yeah. Which even then, technically, they just bring back new incarnations of. Yeah. So the the Neo Bishigun they won the uh, Max Hart Tag Team Tournament, extremely Tokyo Joshi Tag Team na- or Tournament name, to earn this title shot. Uh, during the build up, again quoting from the uh, English Update account. Saki-sama said the sisters should retire and find jobs as the amusement park mascots Cork and Pork. <laughs> the sisters responded by coming up with food truck menus to sell in the park. Like they brought these, they showed this in the on, on the preview. They brought these little fucking tr- sandwiches to them with them, they had pork on them, and Saki looked disgusted. So, <laughs> it's really how something. do they think of this shit? I don't know. It's a great, whatever emotion. Uh, May was visionaries. May was very upset at the referee for not letting Saki Sama have the red corner. I guess they weren't listening when they were clearly announced as owl corner, but uh, you know, blue corner. Uh, so May and Adoka, no shit, start this match off with a fucking dance off. Like I felt like I was watching Jack Evans in like 2004, but more <laughs> like the the ballroom spinning version. Uh, they even start dancing together. But then the evil maid turns on Adoka and starts attacking her. So, uh, but yeah, just watching them dance was so fucking funny. Uh, doesn't go well for her though, and it's kind of funny to watch Nodoka carry uh, May into the Bakaretsu sisters' corner while May yells like "Saki-sama!" like very desperately. Just very funny. Uh, but Saki-sama does intervene from the outside, which lets May take control, 
And, you know, at one point she does like this slow bridge, like leaning back into an Indian deathlock with an increasingly like serial killer like smile. It was genuinely creepy. I don't know. It looked genuinely creepy, like watching her do this. Uh, Saki-san at one point, like, suplexes Yuki Aino onto her own sister, and then takes Mei by the hand and, like, lifts her onto the second rope so she can do a double stomp uh, onto the to sister pile. That was awesome. It was, like, the perfect combination of, like, Saki-sama's whole, like, look at how elegant I am, like, hand motions, but, like, which is really cool and, like, kind of innovative offense. So, I mean, look, Saki-sama, she plays his character better than, like, anyone else in wrestling plays a character. She's I don't incredibly think, committed to this. I don't even think it's. I don't even think it's close. Actually, I can't think of anybody who is as into She's doing, been doing this for so long too. Yeah, like I don't. I can't think of anybody who is more convincing than than Saki Akai is as a fake French noble or the fuck she's supposed to be. So it's really something. Uh, Nadoka, you know, gets this like really tight headlock takedown in May. I don't mean that as in like an outdated slang phase, but like really physically tight headlock and like it looked better than pretty much all the headlocks on the last champion carnival show i watched not to keep making on the champion carnival but like which i said has been good but this headlock was better than because one of the champion carnival nights was like obsessed with headlocks i think it was night five and this headlock was better than all of them well death from all japan currently can't compare tokyo joshi pro it's just not it's not on the same level (laughs) it's very true uh, they go back and forth with flash pen attempts until May finally rolls Nodoka up to the pen, and that gives uh, Neo Bishiki Goon the belts. I'm not sure if I should be surprised at that finish or not. I thought maybe with the heels winning the tournament as their big achievement, that was just like to set them up losing the big challenge here, but uh, I can't really blame them for going all the way with this team. It's, uh, you know, May is very amusing as this maid. You can tell she really enjoys doing it, so. Uh, and it does suck for the, the Bakuretsu sisters, but they did have a they had a longer title reign than I thought before I looked it up. It was like 161 days, uh, you know, so over five months, and you know, two only two defenses, but you know, could have been worse. Uh, but yes, the match itself was quite good. A lot of the good back and forth, and a lot of good back and forth stuff. A lot of good double teaming from both sides. I went three and a half. Yeah, I can't. Bl- they've re- this gimmick has been good for like five years. It's really weird. This is this shouldn't have like the longevity it's had. Yeah, like the fans never seem to get tired of it, and Saki never seems to get tired of doing it. I mean, maybe part of the part of why it's good and why it works. They always they, pull it off for like yeah months at a time. Yeah, they always give it a break. So like when it's, maybe it's getting a little stale or something, they give it like six months off or something. So that could be. They the need key. to bring Yukio back. Yeah. Yukio St. Laurie. Or what was that his name, right? I think. It's something close to that. <laughs> and, what, and the doctor who, like, uh, turned out to be an evil doctor or something. I remember, I remember that's how Rik- Rika Tatsumi lost one of her matches. He, like, turned on. The doctor turned on. What happened to uh, Martha? Martha. That's a g- big question. I don't know. That's an important question. To yeah. Answer. That was how the doctor turned. I now remember this. So... Rika Tatsumi thought she finally had uh, Saki-sama cornered because she was going to have Martha get an inspection uh, by this doctor to prove that Martha was actually a man, which I'm like, 
I don't know if I love this angle for, for a couple of reasons, but okay. And the, but then Doctor was like, no, Martha's a woman. And, uh, you know, Rika Tunch would be freaking out. And it's like, well, how, how did you come to that conclusion? And then it's revealed the Doctor was in Saki-sama's corner all along. So there you go. What a twist. So. This is art. This is art. Uh, but yes, they, they got... This what the people demand. They got interrupted in their post match by the B stars, who earlier were uh, you know won a match. So we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But yes, their title challenge will happen on the May fourth. Corrigan. I should mention who the B stars are: Mirai, Mayumi, and Suzume. Uh, and Saki Sama only gave in because she said that she and May were in a rush to get back to leveling up their Monster Hunter characters. It's a little weird thing for her to say. <laughs> Not as I expected her to say at all. Uh, but May was like frozen from the shock of being interrupted. She did not move a fucking muscle for all this time. It was amazing. Saki-sama had to finally like wave the other tag belt in her face like she's some kind of fucking pet to get her out of this uh, frozen state. And she went nuts for this belt. So uh, there you go. She's very happy to have both belts. So. And Saki-sama doesn't give a shit because she's Saki-sama. She don't need no belts. So. Is the Bumblebee like the fastest rising, like one of their trainees to go from funny to just pretty good at this? Oh, Suzume? Yeah. Yeah, I think she is probably. Like, she's actually. Because Mariah Mayumi was one of the ones who was good. Like, she was good the moment she debuted. Yeah, they put her on right away. Yeah. But the Bumblebee was like very bad for the first like month or two, but got good quick. And like, the ones of them that aren't. The ones of them that don't start getting good after a few months generally stay not very good. Yeah. So. Speaking uh, of the TJP undercard, did you see the sad news? Well, oh, the, the, that uh, the, the the Space Rangers. The Tokyo Space Ranger. Yeah. I was going to yes. get to that when we get to a match, but it's very sad. What are you going to do? I am. Uh, match any, number anytime five. Anytime they lose a member of the Tokyo Joshi Professor, it's always sad. It is very sad. Uh, match number five, Yuki Kamifuku defeats now Kakuda with the famous sir in 902, uh, Yuki's third defense. Speaking of people who used to be bad, like, remember how horrible Yuki Kamifuku was? <laughs> like, she could not move in the wrestling ring. And... This is someone who, by their own omission, had never watched this stuff before kind of just taking this weird gig to do it. Yeah, so she had no, she had no fucking frame of reference for it. She did not have any natural talent for it, that's for sure. And um, you know, she will tell. I mean, I look, I I did her uh, during like the early days of the pandemic. I did her when she was offering Japanese lessons. I did that, so I was like was on a Zoom with her, and she was basically explaining how she hates doing singles matches because she thinks she's horrible at them, and that was last year. So. I mean, you know, like, we're talking, like, Wesley. Yeah, now they gave her a belt. Yeah, like, basically last year. So, like, she would tell you more than anybody that she was horrible. And at that point, I didn't think she was even that horrible anymore. And I thought she was being no, she was too fine. hard on herself. But now, now she's, like, pretty good. Like, she's gone from being one of the worst wrestlers in on the roster to being, like, perfectly acceptable. At one point, she does a front suplex in this match that, like, was one of the better front suplexes I've seen in, a, in quite a while. So, you know, she's gone from being, like, really awkward and even the most basic wrestling moves to, like, you know, she's doing them pretty well. Did they hire, uh, like, real trainers at some point in the year, in the last, like, year and a half? Yeah, maybe, right? There's got to just be some, I don't know, like, some of these people have just, get, they've all gotten, like, good fast at the same exact time. Yeah. 
But yeah, this was a pretty good match. I went three and a quarter here. Uh, now almost got a victory, but because uh, she survived the first Famouser and then got the uh, got her cross face locked in. But Yuki escaped this tribute to the late Chris Benoit and put her away with a second Famouser or Famous. Shouting out the Crippler. Uh, nothing too special here. <laughs> nothing too special here, but a pretty good little match that I enjoyed. I went three and a quarter. This is uh, the Rat Chaser match, I believe. The Rat the belt. Chaser? Oh, yeah. Isn't that what she kept calling her? I think something like that, yeah. They were, they she, were, she, she's clearly proud of that one because they kept saying it over and over. <laughs> uh, match number four. Okay. This was fucking weird as shit. There's a three-way tornado tag, okay? That's how this match was presented. Uh, Hyper Missile. And Shoko Nakajima versus the Magical Sugar Rabbits, uh, Mizuki and Sakazaki, versus B-Star, Mirai, and Suzume. Um, first of all, Magical Sugar Rabbits have a new theme song remix. It's like a piano intro before they get into the mashup of the theme songs. New gear, too. Very good stuff. But like the star of this match, uh, Misao and Shoko get in an argument uh, about the effectiveness of Misao's secret plans. And Misao is like, fine, I'm going to go join the Sugar Rabbits. And Shoko's like, fine, I'm going to go join B-Star. And the match seems like it got changed into a normal six-person tag from a three-way tornado tag. Because it's not just like the two sides, you know, are, are like three each at this point. But like they start standing on the apron and doing tagging themselves in and out. So I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I'm not the only person who was confused here. The Japanese announcers are like, what the fuck is going on? Like, they start fighting each other. And then they start fighting their own teammates. And then other people are still standing on the apron. And the Japanese announcers are like, is it a three-way tag? Is it a six-person? Like, I guess the idea was, maybe, they never really explained this. I guess the idea was that Misao's secret plan was to pretend they were on each other's teams. And then to try to get the win that way. But, like, it's very unclear. And it doesn't make, I mean, it just was really needlessly confusing. Um, but, yeah, what I could make out of the announcers, they were just as confused. Uh but yes, the the end of the match, Mirai got a gigantic pin, the biggest of her career. Uh, she pinned Shoko Nakajima with one of her awesome lariats. Uh, obviously, a big step up for her for uh, you know pinning a former princess of princess champion here, and you can hear the crowd like audibly react. So you know, both the Sugar Rabbits too did a great job of looking like they're they were in disbelief. So finish was cool. Match itself didn't really land with me. I thought it was needlessly confusing. It's not that interesting. Yeah, I do not. Uh, I do not get most of the Maseo stuff they've done for the past, like at this point, like two years. <laughs> well, you have to. You really just have to read the translations, but like you do. But you have to be reading it while you're watching it, and this time, even doing that though didn't really help. So I don't know. Yeah, it, like, I just there was have never knock out what they were going. I think this is something you just have to speak the language to really get. Yeah, I guess so. I, I I think even then this was a badly executed one though, because there was never a moment where either one of them was like, "Ha ha!" It just kind of happened. I don't know. They just kind of started fighting each other. Yeah, so, I don't get what they're doing with this. Yeah, it was really weird. But back to good here, really good. I thought this was the match of the show. Yeah, uh, this Miyu is Yama- the best on this one. Yeah, Miyu Yamashita defeats Hikari Noah with the skull kick in nine thirty. Um. You know, Miu, she seemed to be, like, in a especially nasty mood here. She had, like, this angry scowl on her face pretty much from the moment she walked out uh, for the start of the match. 
So I don't know what was up with that. I don't, I don't know if there's like a storyline reason I'm missing, but she was like really angry in this match for some reason. Uh, she pretty much dominated Noah on the mat early. Very unsurprising. But then Noah was able to turn the tables with a rolling cradle right into a cobra twist. Really cool little transition. But Mia was able to make it to the ropes to break. Uh, Noah stays in control for a bit after that. Miyu quickly shuts her down with a big tilt-a-whirl backbreaker, a jumping lariat, and then a nasty-looking Fujiwara armbar just before the five-minute call. Like, she's really stretching this arm, and Noah's selling here was great as well. Uh, Noah is finally able to get the ropes to break that one. Uh, Noah then gets back on the offensive, gets a pair, or gets a missile drop kick, uh, but Miyu puts her right back down with a kind of weak-looking knee attack to the head. But uh, that leads to a back-and-forth sequence I really liked. Uh, the highlight is where Miyu just, like, deadlifts Noah out of nowhere. You, like, Miyu is one of these wrestlers who's, like, even more powerful than I look like, I feel like. Like, she has, like, just, I don't know, like, the uh, the leg strength or something. But she, like, really deadlifts girls sometimes. Yeah. And, like, lifts her straight into a Death Valley driver position. Uh, Noah maneuvers herself onto Miyu's back from there, though, and gets, like, a cobra twist out of there. Miyu escapes, gives a very angry-looking back uh, look back to the camera, which had the female commentator just saying scary repeatedly when she did that, because like she was uh, very frightened. And Miyu, at that point, uh, sort of like powers her way back to her feet. In a way, it's a little hard to describe, but it looked really cool. Uh, Hikari, though, counters back and hits a blizzard suplex hold. I love that Hikari Noah's keeping the blizzard suplex alive. Who the fuck else does a blizzard suplex in 2021? You know, uh, that was it. Do you know who came up with that move? It's a wrestler. I do not. Who? So it's a wrestler no one would ever get now because uh, he became so different from uh, his original persona. Fucking Takashi Izuka was the Blizzard Suplex guy. Really? Yeah, like during his original New Japan run. I should say I don't know a hundred percent that he invented it. I guess I think he did, but either way, it was like he definitely used it. You know, nonstop from the like mid nineties on. So until he went. You know, into that crazy wild man gimmick. I think he did one in his last match, uh, and people like really popped for it because he hadn't done it in years and years at that point in the uh, in that wild man gimmick he was doing. Uh, it was a great gimmick. It was a great gimmick. I missed the wild. I mean, it was for as much shit as people give New Japan. Uh, they, you know, some a lot of it deserved. They nailed that Izuka retirement, like having him just fucking rampage into the distance, basically, <laughs> without ever like turning back or anything. It was so great. I looked this up. There's gifts of Bison Kimura doing it, who I think appeared in the mid to late 80s. Okay, so maybe so he actually that, So she's probably the first one, yeah. Yeah, she's probably the inventor. Uh, but I guess Izuka kept, kept the flame alive for a long time. And now, so it went from Bison Kimura to Takashi Izuka to Akari Noah. What a lineage. That is, yeah, that's... That is, I mean, anytime you get Azuka in direct lineage, you know you've done something great. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Noah, at this point, oh, so Miyu gets her foot on the rope for the Blizzard Suplex. Noah then tries to score the pin with some flash cradles. It's a very close near fall with one of them. Uh, but Miyu tries for the skull kick. Noah keeps ducking that and ducks some more kicks. Then gets her super kick for a two count. But then Miyu finally gets the skull kick, kills her with it as, as usual. And that's obviously your pen. But yeah, this is a really good sprint. Really a lot of fun. Really inventive sequences here. Uh, I love that, like I said, everything from that dead lift Death Eye Driver on. Uh, and like Miu's like, e- like nastier attitude than usual was really interesting to me. 
And, you know, at the time watching this, I was like, well, with her having been out of the main event scene for a while now, perhaps she'll go back to the title. And that, that did happen after the, uh, you know, she is the next challenger, as we found out later that I night. I feel like she was the obvious challenger no matter who won. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Akari Noah did get a lot more offense than I thought she would here. So, and she looked great. So I would glad her way to see this one three and three quarters for sure. Yeah, this is very good. Uh, match two was Miyu Watanabe, Raku, and Palm Harajuku beating Yuna Manase, Mahiro Kiryu, and Haruna Neko. Raku pinned Neko with the Dr. Yellow in 1010. Uh, first of all, Palm's entrance as an unofficial third member of the Up Up Girls, pretending she had a mic in her hand and was singing along. Very cute. Uh, she was very excited about this, so uh, there you go. And then Haruna Neko, she's like a surprisingly... Or it's like a really underrated comedy wrestler. She comes up with like genuinely innovative ideas for a gimmick. Like early in this match, she does a sliding double cat scratch to a seated palm Harajuku. I was like, okay. Uh, this is yes. the like least like least mad to be here Unamanase match in a long time. Least, yeah, for sure. The past couple of times they've brought her back, she was just like looked annoyed. Yeah. Maybe she missed it finally, but I was going to bring her up right now because, like, I'm I'm a, definitely a mark for powerhouse Joshi, and Yuna like just does a great job throwing these other girls around like always. Uh, I definitely miss having her around more on Tokyo Joshi shows and see uh resigned as a roster member. She was she, a replacement on this one, right? I think so, something like that. I think that. Makes I guess sense. I mean she's still contracted to D, like the DDT family. Yeah, so I was about to mention like she seems to be doing a lot more intergender stuff in Gambare. That's where she ended up in Gambare. Yeah. Uh, you know, she's, uh, you know, it, that may have been why she went, ended up there. Maybe she wanted to do that. I mean, it makes sense given her size. I mean, she's like 5'7 and, you know, a big lady. So she easily could look like, I'm sure she looks convincing in there with like, it's not like Gambare, I'm sure, is Land of the Giants for uh, dudes, you know? She's no. probably, probably bigger than some of the, a lot of those dudes. Uh, Miu a small powerhouse in her own right. She goes head-to-head with Yuna. That was a really fun exchange. Uh, and she actually manages to get her up for the Canadian backbreaker. But she couldn't hold her up there for too long. Uh, ends up taking a lariat from Yuna. Yuna then t- t- tags in Haruna Neko. And it looked like, I don't know, it looked like fucking Mio Watanabe was starring in Alice in Wonderland or something. Because like she goes from fighting the much bigger Yuna to now fighting the much smaller Haruna Neko. Just kind of a funny... Uh, back-to-back visual there. But Raku then hits Neko with her Dr. Yellow neckbreaker thing, and that gets the pin. Fun little match here, three stars, uh, and the Miu versus Yuna stuff, definitely the highlight for me. This is like the meeting of all the characters. <laughs> Pretty much. But I they, need to do, they need to do something with Kiryu. I feel like that's like the one right now that needs something. Yeah, because she's good. She's been good for a while. She needs some juice. Uh, the opener was Marika Kobashi, who I'm very happy to see back. And Senna, I mean, she's been back for a while now, but I mean, she's Doesn't she her. keep, like, having to. Doesn't she keep coming back, disappearing for a month again, coming back? Yeah, because I, I guess because we're school, I guess. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, because that's why she, that's why she uh, took her long, like, a year long break to begin with. I thought they also like stopped putting people under eighteen on this. Oh, maybe you're right. Is it like when if you look at all the people there, there hasn't they haven't had like a teenager in a while. Yeah, and what's her name left? Uh the one who was like five nine. 
Yeah, that one, like, they got rid of her, and they had, or I don't know if they got rid of her. She could have just quit or not wanted to do yeah. it anymore. Yeah, she said she quit because she wanted to focus on high school. <laughs> I'm like, okay. That's understandable. <laughs> but yeah, I can't remember her name, but she was like the really, really um, tall, like, 15-year-old. Yumi, maybe? Yumi. Yumi. Yumi is a kid from DDT. There's Yumi and Yumi, I think. Yes. <laughs> so, but, uh, uh, It seems like they don't use kids anymore. Yeah. Which is good. I, I support that. But she's over 18 now, so. I yeah, they brought her back. Uh, so she she and uh, Sena Shiori defeats uh, Moka Miyamoto and uh, Ariso Endo when Shiori submitted Watanabe with the checkmate and 839. Uh, so yes, very sad to hear, as I mentioned earlier, that Shiori has to retire soon for health reasons. So they basically uh, gave her, you know, you know, they gave uh, her like her first direct win of her career, tapping out Moga with an arm lock half crab, I guess is what it is. I mean, that was her first direct win ever. So, are they um, going to do a retire? Their retirement shows are always good. It's yeah, going. she's going to get like a retirement match, I think. Because um, she did say something like, you know, keep keep cheering for me or whatever until uh, you know I retire. Who was the one who has like? I think it was Arisa Endo. Oh. Who like her look stands out to me for sheer weirdness. Like she's wearing purple. The hair, yellow. the hair in the outfit doesn't match it, it whatsoever. <laughs> it's like a complete clash of colors. It's very weird. Purple with yellow trim and zubas all over it too, and this weird like grayish hair, except for like bright yellow on the front, but not the same yellow like you said from the purple and yellow outfit. Really bizarre. I'm like, what are you? What are you supposed to be here, lady? Like, give me an idea here. But I don't know. Very even a, this is a promotion that has Palm Harajuku in it, and she still stood out as like, "What are you wearing?" So her shit is way more coordinated than that. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I don't know. It's very bizarre. But yeah, overall, I call this a pretty much your tip. Oh, the, the opener is like two and a half stars. Very typical uh, Tokyo Joshi opener. Um, but yeah, good good show. Not like the best Tokyo Joshi show I've ever seen, but. Uh, a really solid cork, and I'm sure if you like Tokyo Joshi, you'll like this one. They, they really don't have bad shows very often, so... No, their stuff is generally good. Uh, before we get to Talking Titan, let's just go over their upcoming show, uh, which is May 4th. Yes, Wonderland 2021. We are still in the middle of our dreams. Uh, we have three matches so far. Yuki Arai versus X... Uh, Saki Sama and May Saint uh, May Saint Michelle versus Mariah Mayumi and Suzume and Rika Tatsumi versus Miyu Yamashita. All sounds good to me. Yeah, that should be good. I'm. What's your favorite Tokyo Joshi show name ever? Uh, hmm, it's a good question. Yeah. I really do like Yes Wonderland. It is a great. It is what a great about name. um? Where I go, you all, you go, we all go to Nerima or wherever it was. <laughs> That's good. There was one I really liked. I have to look it up now. Let's see. See if I could find it. Because I remember there was one that was like really funny from like 20. There was one about hot girls that was like kind of a mistranslation about like yeah. being hot outside. Yes, I think so. But I forgot what the exact wording of it was. I remember that one was good. I'm scrolling through right here to see if I could find Uh TJPW, the god of pro wrestling, my arms fell, glory confession. Uh, that would have to be up there. Yeah, that's good. Uh, how do you like Narimasu? I remember when they were wrestling in Narimasu. Uh, and then they just had a whole series of how do you like Osaka? How do you like Kitazawa? 
How do you like it, Abashi? <laughs> and then go ahead, Hot Guys and Narimasu. There you go. Uh, go ahead, Hot Guys and Shinkiba. Uh, <laughs> just like, there are some great... Okay, there's another... There, there was like when they had the series called Let's Go. Go, go. If you go. When you go. If you get lost, just go to blank. Or just go to Osaka. Just <laughs> That's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> that might be the best one. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of great Tokyo Jersey names. Uh, there you go. Uh, so that's Tokyo Jersey. Do we we got to get to Talking Titan now. We're already going long here, but we got to get... How long are we on this? We're like oh, just under two hours somehow. <laughs> on three Noah matches and one Tokyo Jersey cork. The Anokiists. I have gone like an hour and 20 minutes on like three full shows before, so I don't know what's going on. It's a... Uh, yeah. But we gotta get to talking Titan. We so, do have to talk some Titan. So that's what the people are here for. So again, I'm gonna warn everybody one yeah, more time. I am not going to hold back on any spoilers. There will be no warning, no discretion. We are going do, to spoil the whole end of this. So if you want to watch it, you should turn this off now. The two exactly. hour mark. You already listened to two hours. Of this. <laughs> you, you did your part. We yeah. should hit the stop button right now if you don't want any Attack on Titan spoilers. This is. I mean, when I first started watching this show, it was like, okay, this cool, like, because my friend asked me this the other day. He was like, why was this show ever popular to begin with? And I was like, well, you know, it's very, like, it's it's got a lot of things going for it where, like, you know, it's, like, grim dark, which people always like. Um, you know, it's very violent, which people like, especially in anime. Like, Western fans especially love violent anime. I mean, it's like, yes. they, they almost always gravitate towards it. Because it, it, it by that feeds into the perception of like, oh, this is like this mystic uh, overseas shit where you're not supposed to watch. Whereas it like, makes it feel like, more adult, even though this yeah. is, like this is like a, a teenage. This is for teenagers. Yeah, but like it feels like not like a, it makes it feel adult, but also just like you know forbidden. And meanwhile, you could watch like I don't know Crayon Shin Chan or something and watch that's anime too. But uh, you know that's obviously that's not going to fit into people's narratives about it. Yeah. And then, but then, uh, you know, so th- there's that reason. And it's steampunk, which people love steampunk. I've never been one who's like, oh, steampunk. I don't think this is, is it steampunk? It has, I mean, they, don't, the fucking things run a little steam at one point, don't they? Those... I don't know. I feel like, I I guess I'm being pedantic over this. Okay. I think, yeah, I think I'm just being pedantic over this. It's steampunk-ish. I, I, don't know. I get where you're going with it. Yeah. Um, And, and I think an, an underrated factor, people we're into like the mystery of it. Right. It's like, okay, why is the rest? Why is the rest of the world not exist anymore? Why are there Titans? What are the Titans? Where the Titans come from? And I, if you watch the first scenes of anime, I don't know about the the early part of the manga. I wasn't reading the manga early on. Did you read the early part of the manga? So I watched the first season and then started reading it like after it stopped there. Pretty much the same for me. So I watched the first season and then wanted to know what was going like as as I, well, I, well, I, not right after it started airing, but like as it dragged on forever, waiting for season two, I did finally start reading the manga to see what happened. So, like, you know, if you go back and watch that first season, you get, I, I think it's completely understandable why it was such a huge hit. I think it makes a lot of sense why it connected. The moment, uh, as soon as it, re- as soon as it was revealed that one of the other people was, like, was one of the evil things. I, I don't know about you, but I feel like most people I know kind of guessed which direction it had to go in. Yeah. 
there was like it couldn't have just been like these are weird monsters. They always had to be coordinated from coming somewhere. Yeah, I will say. I wish they didn't reveal that as early as they did. It's like a weird storyline nitpick. Yeah, I would say the moment that I first. It, it did feel weird to me at the time, and it, in hindsight, it was like the first big red flag. At the end of that first season, when they reveal like the wall is made of titans, it's like, why did the wall be made of titans? It doesn't make any fucking sense. What the fuck does this mean? And it just it still ends doesn't on make that. any fucking sense. No, it still doesn't yeah, make any. Fucking yeah, sense. Now, I mean, like, that's important. Time. None of the plot holes were answered. Yeah, so like basically, that is the first one where you can like literally this crack in the wall where you see it's a titan is like the crack in the facade in the facade of the series. Where like it makes no sense. Uh, this guy clearly didn't have it planned out beyond. There's no know. way. There's no way this guy thought this was gonna get. Well, it ended on 139 chapters, right? Yeah, I think so. And like this that. is a monthly, so like yeah. count in breaks. If they probably got 150 monthly chapters out of this thing. Yeah, and this guy he clear he made it up because like a tourist got him scared or something. I think was what was what the uh, the story of uh, you have you read that story where he talks about the inspiration for it. Because like a tourist, uh, something like that. I read this like a, like a tourist grabbed him at a cafe, like a big dude, and he couldn't speak Japanese, so like they didn't speak to his language, so he couldn't like convey anything to him. So, you know, it's basically this idea of being like afraid, being held by a bigger person or thing, and not being able to communicate with it, which is kind of scary, I guess. It makes sense why that would, uh, you know, um, you know, inspire this series. But, like, he didn't have any of this shit planned out. It's very clear. There's no and, way any of this story was written like this, yeah. And the explanations got increasingly stupid. Like, the the idea that the rest of the world really was still there was fucking stupid. The idea that, like, the Titan powers were, like, this mystical thing passed down, but also weirdly scientific that, like, you had to inject spinal fluid into people to fucking... Turn them into yeah, like it's a stupid. mysterious power of God, but there's also a very specific science to how it works. Yeah, it's I really don't know. It just it like went in like thirty directions, and, and then all they had the directions that, sucked. They had that entire long arc. The uh, God, what the hell was it called? The politics, again? the uprising arc. The uprising arc, which where basically for something like eighteen months. Because, like you said, this is a this is a monthly. Yeah, this is a monthly. It's not. So, like, no, I think it's it was not longer. like a bad like jump show that you just have to sit through a bad or like jump manga. You have to sit through something bad for like three or four months. This thing, like a shitty arc of this, is two to three years. The uprising arc was one fifty one. Let's say one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh, oh yeah, I think I got it almost exactly right. Seventeen, seventeen chapters. So for for almost a year and a half. Uh, I guess more like 14 or 15 because finally they, there are Titans at the very end of it. Uh, there's no Titans in Attack on Titan. Like, basically the entire arc, they're just like, alright, here's some humans and, uh, you know, we got we got this Jack the Ripper guy, Kenny the Ripper and, uh, you know, this is what we're doing now. And it's like the entire time you're like, so so where are the Titans? Like, are, are they just chilling? Are they just like, outside the, these broken, they're, not, they're no longer trying to get through these broken walls or just out there chilling, I guess. Okay, and it's like really, really, really bizarre. And you know, I, I will say the anime did a good job. They figured I, I, out how to condense it. Yeah, they they condensed it as well as they could and made it somewhat watchable. So yeah, I have the people who had to like direct this shit and format it or just gods. 
<laughs> is they I'm, made this thing largely watchable up until like the, this last season it's just like it's evil i don't know how else to describe it other than evil okay i was gonna ask you because i haven't been watching it so i don't know anything beyond when they get to the water uh as yeah. far as like, the anime so have like you, the, you have you read the whole thing or did you just read the ending i read the i read like the descriptions i guess i didn't read the actual manga okay yeah so you've missed more incoherent nonsense and giant <laughs> titan wars and evil worms that never get explained. But the anime itself, right? Like they're they're not doing a good job, you know, trying to uh, you know explain this shit anymore. Or like, I mean, there's only so much you can do when he doesn't write any explanation. It's not like you can accentuate the parts of the story that make sense. It's just fucking none of it makes sense anymore. Yeah, like he's in, he's introducing ten characters an episode. All of these characters <laughs> are either gonna die or just not appear anymore. <laughs> or like, yeah, it's like gonna be some that... like really stupid forced interaction with a with an old character who doesn't really matter. That that fucking family or whatever I can't remember their names now. The one who had like the Warhammer Titan or something. The Tiber family. Yeah, what the fuck ever happened to that? Nothing. <laughs> just nothing happened to them at all, right? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, obviously <laughs> the guy died, but I think the rest of it, I think they get mentioned once or twice later. Because <laughs> they spend so much time on that in the part of the manga I was looking at. And it's like, okay. The, the TV arc where they introduce the fucking kids and they kill half the kids. <laughs> and it just sucks. I don't know. Like He has like seven or eight main cast characters that just do nothing up until the very end. But he just keeps adding more. Yeah. And then he brings Annie back, so there's another one. Oh, and then she you have, like, the general is kind of important now. Is and Annie transform again, finally? is a good guy. What? Does Annie ever get to, like, transform again, finally? Yes. Okay, that's kind of cool, I guess. Does she do anything? Um, She just fights with everyone at the end. Okay. That's nice. Who? So, like, the I've read the actual ending. So explain the ending for people who, don't, who need to understand this ending. So, so Aaron, at some point, just... Seems to become the main antagonist instead of the protagonist. Yes, so um, Aaron, uh, so he leads a terrorist movement to free him from the island, and then he activates the power called the Rumbling that basically destroys the whole world outside of the walls by having the Titans that are the walls just walk over everything. And that's that kills eighty percent of humanity. Yes, and to be clear, this is the main character of the manga and the show. Yes, but this is also time. presented as a happy thing because all of his friends got to live. Seems legit. Killing 80% of humanity. A good thing. <laughs> that's that's nice, I guess. Uh, so yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we're, it turns out we're watching, like, Adventures of Hitler. Yes. Because he turns out to kill. To, like, so I was life. always, I was wrong on this. I was always saying that I don't think it's, like, blatant fascist stuff. I think he's just a terrible writer who's, like, trying to write about the horrors of war and failing. But I think I was dead wrong. Yeah, he just like likes fascism. Yeah, no, he he clearly just doesn't. The way the the way he writes death, it's just a very trivial thing. Yeah, it's like a number that just gets discarded in the story. It's very strange, but then it also ends that the remaining people still alive are still at war with the islands people. So really, this whole thing didn't even matter because they're fighting the same war with just yeah. Yeah, so the ending is the most bizarre part of it. Because, like, okay, Aaron kills 80% of the world. He turns himself into this evil person. And, like... Um, Which he you know, knew he was doing the whole time. Because yeah. it's basically like... Did you did you see the, the last Avengers movies? 
No. You've never seen any of that. So like the big the big plot point of that in one of them is like the Doctor Strange character like sees all the future timelines and sees like the only one where they win and does like the thing that sets that in motion. What it seems like he wrote, I don't understand it a hundred percent because it's not very well done, but it seems like he went into this like spiritual other world that shows all the potential timelines and he basically did that and went back and influenced all the things that happened so it was the exact thing that gets them to like the one point where he gets to save everyone but he has to become evil to do it and, and he has to everyone on earth yes like it's, it's not even like he has to pretend to be evil he has to destroy the world and kill yes, but he has to people. pretend to hate his friends which is I the see. only real evil in this like <laughs> idiot's writing <laughs> he has I, hate to kill fucking, I hate this stupid comic <laughs> he has to kill 80 percent of the world's population and this percent is not a big deal yeah. no it doesn't matter yeah it, it's a one-off throwaway line but that's what everything in this stupid story is it's like one-off throwaway lines i remember there is one point where there's a because I remember people used to say he was like, you know, a Japanese fascist specifically. Well, now I, I think they're right. I always thought it was like this is, this is like overcorrecting on something yeah. really popular that actually sucks. Was kind of always my opinion on that, but I was just wrong. But there is like one weird throwaway line for a, maybe he put this in there as a. Is it um, about like the that how the island has a bunch of resources and the other evil country wants them? No, no, no. Well, there's one throwaway line where. Where I guess I don't because remember there's a there is a, the, the there's a stand-in for Japan that's yes. not Paradis. No, yeah, and, no, Paradis is not supposed to be Japan, right? So he there's a throwaway line about how basically how they all suck and how that island sucks and how the people there suck, and I'm just like, so are you a big nationalist? I don't really understand. Like, I, there's like some negotiate. I don't remember what the exact context of it was now, but it was like something about how much they suck and how much they. Uh, have always sucked and will always suck or something. It seems like the end also teases the idea that like the Japanese people in that world sided with sided with like the Aaron terrorists who destroyed uh, the rest of the world. So again, I I don't know. Again, I I'm still not totally sure there's like any direct ideology to this. And it's not just like the badly written nonsense of the shitty writer. Yeah, I still kind of, I still lean. I towards, still lean before that, but it's like impossible not to acknowledge that on purpose or not. It's accidentally just like an evil work of fiction. That's what I think. That's what I think it is. I think it's accidentally fascist. That's and it's I, like I, very. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. It could be. It could be off there. But I just kind of have a feeling. I think he's just an idiot. I mean, that's just. It's I like it's know. like when uh, you know of indie wrestling legend Schlack, right? Yeah. It's like when he got photoshopped doing a bunch of Zeke Hiles and was like, oh, me and my, me and my friend just did it. We didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. And you know what, Schlack? Maybe you're right, but it doesn't <laughs> make it any better, man. There you go. Uh, but yeah, so he killed 80% of the world and all this shit happened. I knew they were going to play the I was just pretending to be evil card. Oh, yeah, like, 100%. It was, it was obvious the second he started like being mean to his friends that like oh he know it was so obvious where they were going with it. and it, like, that's like what makes it so bad. But like they still managed to do it in a way that shocked me because then at the end of the show it's like oh yeah but everything still sucks. Yeah, everything still oh. sucks. <laughs> the only thing he did do, I guess, if you really want to look at it, he did say his original goal was to eradicate all titans, like all the way back at the. He did do it. No, he did exactly what he said, and he saved his friends. Yeah, 
but he did it in the dumbest way possible, I guess. That killed eighty percent of the world. <laughs> what a fucking what a weird show. What a weird manga. And like, I really cannot stress enough: if you're listening to all this and you think any of it sounds cool, or you want to watch it or read it, you should not do that. No, you should do anything better with your time. <laughs> it was so horrible. Anything, literally anything. Like for years, you and I, you and I would just DM the other one to be like, "Have you seen the new? How fucking stupid the new Attack on Titan is!" Because <laughs> it was always so fucking stupid. Every time, every time they like finish an arc, it was always stupider and stupider. Yeah, like I'm trying to think of where of some of the because we we basically just went over like we skipped past like four years worth of shit and like it's so so. Yeah, funny. I skipped the entire World War One arc. I skipped. <laughs> The the war children who were living in the Nazi ghetto and being forced to fight and turned into titans to save their family. And uh, what else did I miss? There's so much shit where I'm just like, okay, I don't know. You like, missed a bunch, like, a bunch of insane exposition about how Mikas' family name means she's actually brainwashed and a slave to oh. her. And <laughs> they also never follow any of them. You just kind of assume he's lying... I don't know. It, it just it just sucks. Yeah, Mikasa never gets and it sucks. I mean, she gets to kill him, I guess, at the end. But like, yeah, she never gets like a real satisfying ending to that whole. Is she like really in love with him or not, or whatever the fuck? I don't know. I don't know. It's so stupid. But it all it all really just does suck. I guess that's a good place to leave it. <laughs> it's really bad. And it's you the worst. Should never watch it or read it. But uh, no. <laughs> never <laughs> I can't even because it feels like I really do like the first season the TV show but like it's like the same thing it's a very worse version of like why I never recommend the first season of Tokyo Ghoul to people because like you know the first season of Tokyo Ghoul is like one of my favorite anime of all time it's just so good but like everything after that is so horrible uh, I don't know if you never watched Tokyo Ghoul or no no I never have so, like, the first season is really, really, really good. Like, again, one of my favorite animes of all time. Just so good. Uh, Tokyo, then they had Tokyo Ghoul. Uh, I think it's... Oh, God, I forget the, what they call it. Something... Some wacky name for the second season. It doesn't really matter. And that is horrible. And they completely change all sorts of shit from the manga in some of the dumbest ways possible to the point where a lot of it makes no sense. It's just really bad. And then they kind of get it back on track with the third season with Tokyo Ghoul R.E., which is, you know, pretty good. And they actually follow the manga as close as they can after the second season fucked it up. And then they do RE season two, where they try to fit, I think, like two years worth of manga or something, an absurd amount into a 12 episode season because they want to just end this shit. And the show is completely unwatchable. Like basically every episode, it's like, it's like the Vince Russo of anime. It's like stuff is happening in every 30 seconds and characters are just like coming in and out every, like basically every episode is like 35 chapters or something. So it's impossible to follow and makes no sense. And it's going so fucking fast. You're just like, who are these people? I don't even remember any of these people that you're just bringing back from, you know, two seasons ago, expecting me to know who they are. And it's just really, really, really bizarre. Um, like, I'll you know, still say this is worse than that. Yeah, this is worse. Titan is worse. But Tokyo Ghoul, you know, as much as I love the first season, I will never recommend the show to anybody because it just falls off such a fucking cliff uh, that I can't really recommend it. I mean, the manga is apparently great. I never read the manga. 
But yeah, I mean, Attack on Titan, I love the first season of the TV show, but can't recommend it to anybody in good conscience because they might try to... You can save your... You can get off now. Yeah, you might. they might try to watch and read the rest of it, which no one should ever do. I mean, if you listen to the rest of this, you know what happens. You can be free. Yeah, you don't have to keep watching it. So... I mean, I admit, I I probably will go watch the animated. Story. I'm sure I'll end up seeing it, but I I can't get upset what happens because I already know what's going to happen, and I feel like that makes it so much better. Yeah, but yeah, the people who are like watching the anime who managed to avoid all the manga spoilers, uh, I don't know what how they're going to react. <laughs> when has Aaron start gotten up to the point where he's Hitler yet, or no? Um, yes, I think the um, pro Aaron terrorist movement has officially started. Okay, I, I wonder how the anime people are taking that. Um, I think the anime people seem mostly happy, but me and someone else like joined the official Reddit to like see what the results to the like Discord to see what these like results to the spoilers were, and like it was universally saying they should change the ending for the anime. Yeah, I mean, I know. I, I mean, I saw on Twitter that people hated the fucking. Even anime like, yeah, it. and these are like the people that like it, not like the haters like us. Yeah, even they, they hate. Even they seem to hate it. So like. Something tells me this is not going to, this is actually not going to land. Yeah. So there you go. All right, Kevin, you want to give us some plugs? Um, no, no, you know where to find me. <laughs> the Bad Wrestling Podcast? Come on. Yes. Yes. What's my ad? <laughs> don't, I'm not, I'm going to ignore your, it don't follow requests me specifically though. I have like a hundred of them that I don't go through. So I won't. I won't put your Twitter, your, your actual ad here. I'll just put. I the, mean, you can put it, but uh, this is just a warning. If you, it, it's not like a personal thing. I just don't want to like place who all hundred of the people in there are and figure it out. So I just put the bad wrestling podcast. One. Yes, but that one. That one is good. There you go. So what you is? Should listen to that. Um, I'll send it to. I forgot exactly how. Much <laughs> stuff I don't use that account. Like it's on my. It's on my phone, and I never look into it. Right, hold on, I can get it for you in two seconds. Let's see. Yeah. I follow you. It's at Bad Rest Podcast. So W R E S. I forgot. We have multiple of them in the tank. I have no idea which is going to be the most recent one by the time uh, we hear this. I think it's going to be one on Blackcraft again. Mm-hmm. The most recent one was eight, was March twenty first. Wow, it's been a while. Yeah, we've been doing them once a month. We have like four of them recorded, and we I just see. haven't been able to get them out quick because. Because I feel like the Man Scout. Yes, the man scout Drake Manning. Yeah, the next one's definitely Blackcraft then. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but yeah, then then let's uh, everybody listening to this. Of course, you can come and follow us on Twitter at Wrestle Omakase Wrestling One Fit. Uh, you can come to the Patreon at patreon.com slash Wrestling Omakase. Uh, Champion Carnival coverage continuing, uh, and that'll about do it, folks. Uh, I just realized I forgot to do the ad for Manscaped again, so I guess I have to insert that into the middle again. I never remember to do the Manscaped ad, but it's uh, manscaped.com, promo code OMAKASE. Uh, if you 20% off and free shipping, it's not the actual ad. I have to do an ad like much earlier, but just to remind you. Do you, do you ever get anything from Manscaped, Kevin? Uh, I do not get ads, no. <laughs> we get these ads from like the, the whole Voice Wrestling Network gets them, so uh i don't know i feel like i feel like if you actually listen to all the uh you know the voice wrestling podcast you must be like i get it manscaped all right but you know if you listen to the whole family yeah. you gotta be sick of the scape 
<laughs> but they're a great sponsor, folks. Manscaped.com, promo code OMAKASE. All right, folks. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening. And we will see you. I didn't plug the next episode. Uh, it's Patreon only. So, again, Patreon.com slash Wrestling Omakase. A new five matches episode with Voices of Wrestling's Kevin Cheat. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. He'll let me know next time. Uh, but he's the Australian correspondent. Just give me a bunch of Australian wrestling to watch. I've never watched a single minute of Australian wrestling in my life. So that will be interesting. Uh, there you go. And the next time we're on the free feed will be two weeks from now. Uh, for an, epi- an episode I do not yet have a guest for. We'll talk the we'll talk some New Japan again finally. The Satsuma no Kuni shows uh, from the 28th and 29th. The Hiroshima show with Naito and Okan for April 26th, which might be the only uh, New Japan match I'm actually excited for. Plus the Noah April 29th Nagoya show we talked about earlier will be also be covered on that one. So back here on the free feed in two weeks. Want to hear us first next week on patreon.com slash wrestling omakase. See you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park